loss is over, but we have to go back to the very beginning of the crash once more here on Down the Hatch, a Lost Rewatch podcast on post-show recaps, talking season two, episode seven, the other 48 days. Mike Bloom, we have to go back to the Oceanic 815 crash from a very different angle this week. Okay, I've taken my 40 millisecond vow of silence. Now I'm ready to comfort you, Josh. Please cry in my arms. Yeah, it'd be very awkward. What if one of us does something so personally offensive to our own soul uh, that we take a vow of silence for the remainder of the podcast? Uh, what if that happens early on here? Do we, do we stop and record a different day? Or does one of us just like play the role of the other? I mean, if that's the criteria, I think I owe the universe a lot of silence. Like, <laughs> probably years and podcast. years of silence. <laughs> How many podcasts do you think you would have to skip, uh, just cumulatively, based on uh, your your past sins? At least, like, a full year, which, uh-huh. if you know how much I podcast, says a lot. And a lot. so, you know, I'd be fully atoned for it. I guess I could spend my time carving sticks, taking off my shirts, you know, the various echo-like things that you do in your time. Yeah, uh, grow out the beard. Uh, two put notches. Him in nice little, yeah, two, put him in cute little braids. Yeah, cute little, cute little notches to to mark the the two lives you've taken. Um, man, a lot to talk about here with the other forty eight days. Uh, the the Tailies episode. Uh, a lot to talk about internally within the episode. I think a lot to compare and contrast with what we've discussed so far in the show. Um, but I think mostly we're, we're talking about it in terms of like present and past with some eyes towards the future, but long range future, maybe not as much. Um, I don't know. I think the other 48 days, this is, this is going to be a fascinating episode to talk through, Mike, because it's, it's unlike any lost episode we have seen so far. Uh, it is, it is, uh, I remember at the time it being an episode that people just like kind of lost their minds about in mm-hmm. anticipation. And then it, it is so different in terms of format. Uh, but like the tailies ultimately don't really matter at all. So, <laughs> so, you know, like where do you, where do you land with all of this? Do you, do you see it as like kind of like a, a, a fable in the, in the grander scheme of lost? It's like a cautionary tale that is, uh, is, you know, where a lot of the themes of the show are echoing throughout it, not Mister Echoing throughout it. I mean, he's uh, he's in it too. He uh, is there. He is there. Like, it, d- does this serve as kind of a microcosm for Lost? Um, is it just good enough on its own? Like, so good enough on its own that it doesn't matter what the future ramifications are? I think these are all things we're going to talk through today. Yeah. Well, let me answer your question with another question because I was sort of thinking about this, and I am not privy to The Walking Dead and its various appendages, so. I would love to hear from you if I am way off the mark with this comparison. Uh, but this episode, and I guess the plight of the Tailies on their own, it's a little Fear the Walking Dead-esque, is it not? This idea of, like, it's within the world of Lost, but it's not directly dealing with the characters that we know and love? Well, I think to to some extent. I can, I can see that. I mean, Fear the Walking Dead... The Walking Dead tells the story of the apocalypse and like it's it's filtered through the lens of somebody who wakes up uh, a few months into the apocalypse. And so like you don't really get to see the degradation of civilization at all. Um, uh, in Fear the Walking Dead, you do get that. Um, so, so this is like kind of in that same vein. It's, it's a view of the crash and surviving on the island and finding the island and, you know, for them, a very post-apocalyptic scenario, um, from a much grittier perspective, uh, mm-hmm. like a, a much more grounded perspective, I think, 
much more savage perspective. I don't think there's much argument, Mike, that the tailies have it a whole lot worse uh, mm-hmm. than 815. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they are, you know, basically the uh, the 815's in, like, the Hilton, and they're sort of in the, the Motel 8. But to answer your question, and I agree, you sort of have to be of two minds about this, where you can sort of take this as a standalone story just in the Lost Mythos, or you can take it as, well, this was ultimately inconsequential because we're going to see one man survive through, you know, to season four and beyond out of this group. And it's going to be the guy that was sort of like a C-tier character in this episode who's working the radio. What this episode represents for me, and I talked about this at the end of last week's podcast, is I think in terms of stories this show can tell, it's a game changer in a number of regards. Because this is the first episode that is entirely on the island. This is the first of only two episodes in the entire series, Josh, that's told chronologically. There are no flashbacks whatsoever. You could say it's entirely flashbacks, but we don't, you know, have flashbacks within the flashbacks. We're saving some of that Taylor backstory for future episodes, in fact, starting next episode. Right. And I wonder if taking these leaps sort of made the creators realize that they can do something like Across the Sea, you know, do something like The Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham, to do some of these things that deviate more from the formula that they've built out and realize Lost is more of an umbrella term, not a format that you have to follow every 42 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're even going to see it uh, in this season a couple of times beyond this. You're going to see it in maternity leave. It's going to be all on island. Special, not special, sorry. Uh, three minutes is going to be all on island. Um, so I, I think that this is, uh, I think that it's like a, it's a, it's like a proof of concept to some degree. Uh, right. Like you, like you say, I think like it, it shows that Lost can deviate from the format, but I, I think it also, uh, may, maybe not to the point where like they feel like they could do this every single week, which I don't know that they would be able to. Uh, I don't know that you lose the flashback format in its entirety. Um, and it's not enough that like you can, uh, like there, there's a few episodes coming up down the line, uh, like later into the series, season three, where I think that the show would have benefited more from on island flashbacks rather than, uh, you know, digging into the past, like specifically, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, uh, the lock is a pot farmer episode. <laughs> you know, I think like that's, a, that's an example where like, my my big argument in that in that one is why didn't they just like have Locke tripping balls through the whole episode and instead of right. flashbacks he's just seeing like various balloon uh various boon uh dreams Ooh, I, the boon balloons the boon balloons uh, why isn't he just following those uh would have been so fun but i do i do really appreciate how experimental the other 48 days gets i think that like we're starting like kind of on like this sort of like calm measured note i used to just say i think this is a great episode of lost oh uh, yeah I, I i really enjoy this there really are great. things that i can quibble with yes. uh obviously and and you know particularly the last like two minutes i'm sure we will get definitely get into sure. but i feel like as a character study you know, it's it's so immensely enjoyable. I feel like we get to know so much more about Anna Lucia, Echo, and Libby in particular, who are really going to be our main three tailies for the time being, that I feel like it serves, again, its own sort of purpose from that regard. And, you know, we talked a lot about the transition to season two and making things a bit more uh, locative than utopian, if you will. We're going down into the hatch. We're going back to this form of civilization and this is obviously a callback to season one, where we see them struggle with survival. And 
we're going to be doing this throughout the podcast, spoiler alert, but it's also going to be very fun to compare where their timeline was with the timeline of season one and see where these storylines sort of intersect, where they run parallel, where they run completely perpendicular, because like you said, it's a bit of a tale of the haves and have-nots, but I I really enjoyed this episode when it first aired, uh, Taily Plights Be Damned, and I still enjoyed this episode many years right. later. Let's go forth into the jungle. Let's talk about The Other 48 Days, directed by Eric Lenouville. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm not. Oh, that's where, is that where the uh, that's where Ben sent Goodwin out of uh-huh, right, to yeah. go infiltrate the camp? Yeah, that's where the others live. Uh, written, it's a it's a Damon and Carlton jam. Written by Damon and Carlton. Originally aired November sixteenth, two thousand five, uh, and it just centers on the tailies. There's no flashback, as mentioned. It is uh, all flashback technically uh, until the end when we catch up to the real time. Um, it's going to focus on Anna. It's going to be Libby, Echo, some Bernard. Bernard. Uh, we're going to get all that. Uh, Nathan. We're also, <laughs> also going to get Nathan. Poor Nathan. Oh, I have, uh, I have some theories about Nathan that we'll get into. But oh, yeah, my poor, God. Poor literal red shirt Nathan. Oh, my God. Brown shirt Nathan, considering how much time he spends in the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> he keeps talking about the bathroom. Poor Nathan. Uh, also, Goodwin. Goodwin is going to show up here. Uh, and in fact... Goodwin, one of the one of the characters from this episode that I think we'll see the most of uh, going forward on Lost, or at least he's going to have like uh, the most number of like bonus appearances after season two. Um, Goodwin, we've got as our down the hatch series Bible entry of the week. This comes courtesy of Spencer Y. If you guys have any down the hatch series Bible entries you want to try, you can email them to us down the hatch at recaps dot com, where we get all of our feedback. So this is Spencer's take on Goodwin, which means it is going to be slightly wrong. From Spencer, a forever hopeless sleazebag, Goodwin built his wealth and reputation through two different careers in Gotham City. First as an adulterous congressman who got caught up with the alluring Selena Kyle, and second as an elitist captain of industry who got caught up with the unstable Arthur Fleck. Well, I'm a, glad I'm glad he escaped that bullet in the alley one night after the opera then to make it to the island. Yeah, that's a joke because the actor Brett Cullen appeared both in The Dark Knight Rises and Joker in separate roles. Uh, continuing, in a major fall from grace, Goodwin got exiled from Gotham due to shame and failure. Is that when he joined the Peace Corps, Mike? Yeah, I guess so. Though I'd be surprised considering the plight of usual Gotham's disenfranchised that he didn't become a villain right there, right mm-hmm. then, you know? Yeah, well, Bad win! You either die the hero or blah, blah, blah. Uh, or you live th- long enough to see yourself become the Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Excellent. Leave the joke there. Uh, he was then recruited to the island by the others as his role-playing abilities and his charm with the ladies proved useful for infiltrating each new batch of people who would get stranded on the island. During his time with the others, Goodwin the Philanderer returned to his womanizing ways as he was secretly having an affair with Juliet Burke while being unhappily married to Harper, the therapist. That's true. Remember all yeah. that? That's uh, easy to forget that stuff. I, I, I completely forgot about it until I was doing some more Goodwin research. The, yeah. the other woman's when we find out about all that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think. yeah, Goodwin and Juliet were a thing. Uh, that was, you know, original, before there was Sawyer, before there was Jack, 
Yeah, I mean, the reason why Goodwin's in this episode and the reason why he ends up impaled on a stick is because Ben was super jelly yeah. and sent Way him jelly. out to get him away from Juliet. Yeah, as as Spencer notes, little did Goodwin know that this love triangle was actually a love square. And when Oceanic Flight 815 crashed on that fateful day, the jealous Ben Linus was directly steering Goodwin towards a certain pointy ended death. I also read this fact on Lostpedia about not Goodwin, but they just randomly put in like references to the name Goodwin. And hear this. In 1969, a woman named Mrs. Goodwin called famous disc jockey Wolfman Jack's radio program. As he had her on the line, Wolfman Jack jokingly accused Mrs. Goodwin of making strange noises. She blamed the television, saying it was the program The New People, a short-lived ABC series about a group of young people who crash-land on a mysterious, Whoa. uninhabited Pacific Island. Oh, man. Deep pull. It's an extremely deep pull. I mean, we're talking about, like... You know, uh, 13-plus degrees of separation here, but that is a crazy, crazy coincidence. Yeah. Good win, more like good lose. <laughs> I hope, I wish Anna had said that after she, you know, stabbed him with the stick. More like bad lose. This is, <laughs> how many bad Goodwin jokes will we make? How many good Goodwin jokes will we make? Oh, zero. Not Not zero. Many. Zero. <laughs> Not many. Uh, it's a, it's a bad wind. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's do the summary. We've got the eight sounds with us. We, we heard it right at the top. The episode begins in, uh, a really cool way. It's just like this steady shot looking out at the ocean. Uh, things are calm. Things are serene. It's just the sounds of the beach. And then it's not common, Serene. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, it's so great. much. I mean, we'll, we'll get into shot. the entire day one stuff. The day one stuff, far and away, in my opinion, is the best part of this episode. It's it's cool to see sort of like a soft pilot within another show that had the pilot. Uh, and I mean, let's go watching the Lost on Location for this episode. The visual effects guy talks a bit about how they wanted to start on this idyllic beach, almost like it's as if you were watching a beer commercial. But instead of, you know, a dose Equis falling out of the sky, it's a plane. And I love that symbolism as well, right? This idea that, like, just as these people's various worlds have been shaken up by this plane crash, so has the island, in a way, by the arrival of these people. And we'll see that, uh, you know, when Ben ends up sending Goodwin out in, uh, in you know, the a Tale of Two Cities next season. But I, I just, the image is so jarring but so fitting for lost of you know and again very true to how the tailies have it much worse than 815 the tailies plight after the crash is going to happen predominantly in the water yeah 815 gets the luxury of on the land at least yeah i mean uh with some questions about like how everybody was able to like survive that without bumps and bruises at least these people were like deposited in the water i don't know I don't know if it makes any sense either way. Uh, they all should probably just be dead. But they're not all dead. But most of the tailies are dying. Uh, it's a pretty bleak situation for them. We we track Anna underwater. She's getting the panic of the crash. Oh, I, I love that effect of the camera dipping mm -hmm. up and down the water, especially from a sound perspective, going from the muted, almost peacefulness of underneath the surface to bobbing up and just seeing havoc occur. Yeah. Yeah, you hear like the waves pounding against like like individuals. Like there's one guy who's just on the beach and he's just like getting pummeled by the ocean. Um, like if the pilot was like sort of like the Michael Bay Hollywood blockbuster, I feel like 
this is still blockbustery, you know, it's still, you know, mainstream primetime television. Um, but it, it does have like sort of this like grungy, uh, like, uh, almost like found footage horror feel mm-hmm. to it. You know, like it just, it just feels a lot more, uh, it just feels dirtier, uh, yeah. the, the way that the, the tale. And I think that there's a lot of intent behind that, uh, to like really express just how hard these people have had it. Uh, and why they are going to have the trust issues that they have. Uh, part of it is because, like, they were not, like, you know, not that, like, 815 was deposited on the island on, like, a golden pillow, uh, but, like, comparatively. I mean, they may, might as well have been, considering apparently they tumbled through the jungle out onto the beach and didn't have any sort of major injuries. Yeah, comparatively. Um, Echo's going to, uh, we're going to see Echo uh, carrying Zack and rescuing his sister, Emma. Not to mention Echo dressed to the nines, he maybe good. even tens, sir. I would say a 10 out of 10 for, for Mr. Echo's uh, uh, flight fashion. Uh, certainly in contrast to like where he goes, where he's just like, yeah. I'll just wear the dirty stuff moving forward. Yeah, no, or, no, or, or I'll just not wear a shirt for like a month ever. plus. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, well, that was more sensible than I think putting the shirt back on. Obviously. Yeah, well, and then and then he's like, I'm not going to take this off until I die. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Anna Lucia, it's so interesting comparing. We're going to make so many comparisons between Anna Lucia and Jack as leaders. And we see it here where there's a little bit of, first, a disparity in location. Again, obviously, Jack is like as far inland as you may think when we find him. We find Anna Lucia, as you mentioned, in the middle of the water. So just from a geographic perspective. They're totally on different wavelengths, but it's almost like Anna Lucia is sort of playing her own Jack role here to the point where she's going to revive people with CPR as well. No pens involved, but like she swims to shore and the very first thing she does is immediately swim back out and grab people. And I feel like that's very indicative of at least this first iteration of Anna Lucia. We're going to see eventually by the end of this episode, the Anna Lucia we know and some love, which is her just been worn down by the plight of the people on this island. She was a stick, and she has now promptly been carved into a pointed end by what happened over these 48 days that makes her such a weapon later on. But I, I think that, like, you can imagine the scenario where if, if she and Jack traded spots, uh, that Jack would probably break down just as badly, if not worse. Completely. Uh, you know, Jack is living the Lux life, and within a week or so he's going to alongside Saeed torture a man, right? Like, so he's going to break that rule sooner than Anna does with Nathan. Um, so you can, you can imagine the world where, where if, if he was part of the tail section uh, and he was with this group of people and they had what they had and he didn't have the supplies that he has to treat people that he would probably lose his chill even quicker than than Anna, and it makes you wonder because I think you do see Anna in the Jack spot here, and you th- you see her acting so heroically um, that you imagine what could be for her if circumstances mm. were better. She's traumatized right now, uh, you know, from recent circumstances in her life. We'll talk about that more next week. I don't think we should spoil all the takes, other than you know she's grieving the loss of her unborn child. She's just killed and a person. I was gonna say also the recent murder, also her. Crazy adventure with Christian yeah. Shepherd down you know, under. There's a lot going on with with Anna, um, and like maybe more uh, more personal, more heightened even than than Jack's issues. Um, but what happens if Anna is in the Jack spot on the other side of the island? Um, do we see like sort of like the empathetic, strong leader that we see in the first day here? Uh, does that person emerge in a in a in a bigger way? I think another thing that's interesting to me. 
and you mentioned this, is how Jack wakes up in the middle of the island and like he wakes up right next to where he needs to be ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he wakes up he wakes up where he's gonna end, but he also wakes up uh just a, a few a uh, few yards down stretch from the heart of the island. Uh Anna Lucia, she wakes up in the ocean. And I think it's a metaphor, man. Like, I don't know if it's intentional. I mean, if you believe Damon and Carlton's uh, commentary that uh, reports of Michelle Rodriguez leaving due to, you know, drunk driving or or whatever uh, are exaggerated. And the plan was always that Anna Lucia was going to be a one season character. Um, let's let's take that at face value. Then what I like and even if, if you don't, I think you could still see it this way. She she crashes out in the ocean. She's just shy of the island. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's like kind of supposed to be there, um, but she's not meant to be here long term. Uh, she is she is not meant to inherit this place. Uh, she's meant to be tested here to a certain degree, uh, but she's going to come up just short as she as she starts this adventure. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. So now this I'm liking this because the only Taylor who does not end up in the ocean and actually on the island is the guy we find mm-hmm. in the tree is Bernard. Yep. So yep. maybe it was Jacob being like, we're just going to nudge you a little bit, buddy, onto the you actually end up on the island. Though I have some Bernard stuff that I want to get into once we end up going up that tree. So uh, Zach and Emma, uh, Echo's going to take Zach for a walk while Anna is going to do CPR to Emma. She's going to she's gonna wake her up. Um, where's my mommy? She was going to... She's going to beat us in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was going to say the Los Angeles thing is the thing that really caught me. It's just the weird, like, almost, uh, I don't know, mid-Atlantic affect that she gives to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Uh, somebody's screaming for Pam! Pam! So I guess Jim crashed on the island. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Was he looking at the camera as it was bobbing up and down in the water? Maybe he was that camera. It's possible. It's possible. Um... So we get the title. When we come back, day one is continuing. We see Cindy on the beach. And I think like for the casuals, this is probably where you're connecting for the first time. Like, oh, right. She's the flight attendant. Yeah, like, she's. Ah, yeah, I forgot about that. I guess she's sort of like the Seth Norris of this group, right? Like we'll get into later with Anna Lucia making the whole black box argument and her refuting that. She's essentially providing the information that Norris gave Charlie, Kate, and Jack just when she's not in mortal danger. Right, right, right. She makes it much further than, than Seth Norris. She's like the anti-Norris. <laughs> she's like, when either can live while the other survives. Uh, yeah, only one. There could be only one. Uh, Echo's gonna uh, ask her if she can look after Zach and Emma because he has to do something. And that something is go out into the ocean and pull out some bodies, retrieve some bodies. Uh, Echo... What a stand-up guy, Mr. Echo. So do you think this is what, this is him, if we're going along with this theory of him sort of being like the reluctant religious man, is this, you think, another thing of like, I guess I have to be doing this, pulling these dead bodies out of the ocean? I think that there's probably an element of shell shock. I think that there's an element of him just like sort of like retreating to something familiar in this uh, drastically unfamiliar circumstance. And the familiarity for Mr. Echo at this point in his life is however much time he's spent uh, serving as a priest, right? So mm-hmm. I I think for for him to uh, kind of just like start going back to like doing something that is productive, uh, not letting these people just like die and like be dead in the ocean. Um, I think for him feels like he's actually doing something. Like he's actually doing something good, right? Um, yeah, and it could be something of like almost you know unresolved things like. 
there probably is this idea of as people are trying to get settled in, and like you said, the reality of everything is settling in. I imagine the image of a bunch of dead bodies floating out in the ocean is pretty disconcerting. So I can imagine that as well. He's sort of filling that role of trying to keep everybody at peace to make them have that inner calm by. And also, I think, giving respect to the dead as well. Obviously, that's a religious rite of passage is to honor the dead in whatever way possible. And I don't know if Echo did a full funeral, obviously, for them. We don't see that. Uh, though I will say I can imagine that when we see the graves, uh, I like the palm frond coverings. You know, they feel like a little bit more classy than just the mounds of dirt that 815 did. Um, all right, let's get our first sound from the episode and get a closer look at what uh, Dr. Libby is up to with my boy, Donald. Oh, my leg! My leg! Oh, no. It's bad! Oh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's not that bad. I broke my leg skiing up at Stowe in Vermont. I was on this run. It's going pretty fast. I was racing this cute ski patrol guy. I went off to Smogel, lost my edge, and... <laughs> Snap my left leg. Now that, that was bad. You a doctor? You're in med school before I dropped out. I'm a clinical psychologist. You saved that girl's life. You a doctor? No. I had to include this clip in here because we talked about this last week, the introduction of Libby, one of the most enigmatic characters of Lost. And Josh, this is a, just another tool in that ever-confusing toolbox of mm-hmm. her bedside manner is probably the opposite of Jack's. While Jack is extremely sullen and blunt, she's pretty jocular, or at least, you know, has her own unique ways of helping reset a compound fracture. Yeah, we just don't know why. Like, is it because, like, she's just, like, a good, empathetic person? Is it because she's some sort of secret spy? Is she a Jacob spy? Uh, is she just, like, sort of, like, a, a quietly insane person who's pretending to be a clinical psychiatrist? We'll never know! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll never well, truly I, know! I do wonder this idea that, you know, she was on this path to becoming a doctor, apparently. She said she went to one year of medical school before becoming a clinical psychologist, which interests me. Maybe she felt like she didn't want to deal with the darkness and mortality that was associated with medicine. Rather, she'd set for the psychological torture that comes with being a, a clinical psychologist. Maybe that has to deal with her being institutionalized, that, you know, that that could have been a reason. Maybe she had a meltdown in medical school that caused her to make her way to Santa Rosa. I'm not entirely sure, but it's yet another interesting quirk of Libby's. And I... Poor Donald. I I like I laughed admittedly at the, what Libby did, and I also love the look that Anna Lucia gave Libby of like, who the hell is this woman? Did I just land on an island with a crazy person? Uh, I feel like uh, what what if she is just like an absolutely batty human, uh, and she like she has no medical training whatsoever? Then she basically did kill Donald, right? Yeah, like, she just like snapped his leg because she saw it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also don't know, like, again, I, I hope our medical experts tune in here because yes, please. I don't know if what she did was helping reset the leg because I'm pretty sure his bone broke off. You know, I don't know if just twisting the leg back in the other direction helps the case at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, poor Donald. Uh, 
Poor, poor Donald. Yeah, poor Donald has a, has a rough go. Uh, all right, so Goodwin, here he is. He comes out of the jungle because that's where he started. Uh, and this is going to be a big tell. Uh, big points to Andalusia for figuring this one out. Uh, but Goodwin's going to come out of the jungle. He says, someone's alive. And so he and Anna are going to go and find Bernard in the tree. Uh, and Bernard is going to be like, oh, God, help me. There's this guy sitting next to me. I think he's dead. All right. Is this well, guy dead? Well, let's talk about this, though. Because from we, what we had expected from Bernard, Rose said that Bernard was supposed to be in the fuselage with her, next to her, but he was in the bathroom at the time of the crash. Now, who knows? Maybe Nathan was, was uh, making that occupado. But now we see him sitting in a tail section seat. Mm-hmm. I have some theories about this, but Josh, do you have any ideas as to why we sort of get this discrepancy in story? Yeah, because he was probably in the bathroom, and then the turbulence hit, and then the, the plane started going out of control uh, with massive turbulence. It's like, oh, I got to just like sit down. I can't make it all the way back to Rose, so let me just sit in this empty seat next to this guy over here. Mm, that makes logical sense. And Here's that seat a- would be occupied by Charlie, right? Because Charlie was originally in the tail section. That's true, actually, and Charlie was in the other bathroom at the time. Right, he went all the way to the top. Because here's my theory. I think Bernard died in the crash. What? Uh, I think he was in the bathroom and the tail section broke off. And for whatever reason, he didn't end up making it. But here's the thing. As we know, the island has crazy powers, specifically from uh, Jacob's perspective. We know that, you know, obviously locks legs, Rose's cancer. We also know, I believe, I'm looking at the list of candidates, and I believe that Rose... Is is one? Uh, there's one for Henderson, which is Rose's maiden name. What if to help her in her journey to hopefully becoming, you know, as a candidate? What if Jacob brought Bernard back to life on the island? And 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 that's the one of the reasons, many reasons why they decide to stay on the island at the end. That they don't leave on Ajira. That they don't leave in any other way. They decide to live out their days on the island with Vincent. Because if Bernard leaves the island at all, the magic wears off and he dies. Yeah, so it's like uh, kind of like a magical uh, like island fantasy version of Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, exactly. Weekend at Although Bernardi's. I believe that Weekend at Bernie's, to some extent, is also a magical island fantasy. Yeah, that was Weekend at Bernie's 2 specifically uh, with the voodoo <laughs> music. But yeah, it, it, it's, uh, there's also a, a Deep Space Nine episode that's like this where they crash land on a planet where like two warring factions are fighting each other but can't kill one another and one of the characters dies and like just resigns her fate to never being able to leave or else she dies so i don't know i'm putting a pin on it but i just found it it weird that bernard but dead is dead dead is dead if you die you're dead unless you're saeed and you can be brought back to life after two hours of death but otherwise dead is very dead on on the show but rules are made to be broken and i think if jacob maybe if let's break them for bernard yeah, and I think if Jacob wanted to uh, to show you know some interest in Rose and specifically her like emotional journey, this and test her faith in particular, this could be a way to do it. But yes, I have promptly broken the rules, and Libby, please don't try to break him in the other direction to try to reset. The I am. Uh, I'm just going to sign off on it because I'm here for Bernard being uh, the lost equivalent of Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. I completely um, agree. Just it just makes sense. We can just call him Bernie. Uh, we call him Bernie for now. Uh, Anna's gonna go and get Bernard, who like has like a daring escape from the falling seat. She says, "I'm coming up to get you." 
Coming up. Coming up. Coming up. I, I think uh, it's actually, again, another interesting comparison. I think it's not exactly one for one, but Anna sort of talking Bernard to jump to the branch is, to me, a little equivalent to Jack talking Kate through sewing his back up in that, you know, here's a person not exactly in mortal danger in the case of Kate, but like in a very nerve wracking situation. And they're both able to sort of uh, talk down this person and assuage their anxiety enough to do what they should. Uh, and so, you know, Bernard ends up clinging to this branch and she's able to get him down. And now he's here, whether alive or dead, but he's here for the moment being. All right. Back to the beach. It's it's later that night. People are trying to settle in, survive. This is the same night that the smoke monster is going to arrive over at 815. Libby's asking if anybody has any water. You thirsty dog. Uh, <laughs> seems like all these dogs are thirsty. Uh, meanwhile, Goodwin is going to be working on something. Uh, let's bring that sound in. Let's listen to Goodwin. Couldn't find any matches? Dry ones? And ask around, but I couldn't find any. It'll be dark soon. But they get a signal fire started so they can find us. What are you, a Boy Scout? Grown-up version. One of the Peace Corps. They still have that? Just happy somebody your age actually knows what it is. What's your name? Good one. I'm Ana Lucia. So what this... are you, a, a Boy Scout? No, I'm the grown-up version. I'm a Man Scout. <laughs> yeah, well, that would have made more sense than Peace Corps. I don't, I don't know, know, Josh. I, I don't feel like Peace Corps is a natural progression from Boy Scout. I think like if you were if you were like as a young young person like uh interested in in the wilderness and community and uh and, and, and survivalism, which is what I assume Boy Scouts are into. I uh Yeah, well that's the thing though, is didn't I didn't make assume, it very far as a Cub Scout. Do you make it Weebelow? I think we talked that? about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm more um, of a wombat I, than a Weebelow. But I think that that's the thing though, is that Boy Scouts to me is more associated with survivalism. That's why Anna Lucia asked him. I feel like the Peace Corps is more about humanitarianism. Yeah, you know, but that's also to a degree about surviving. You know, we're all trying to survive as the human race right now. <laughs> Believe me, we know this as we're recording this. Yeah, in as, we're, as we're printing quarantine on all the doors. Twenty, jeez, all right. We're trying to distract from that. No but more. I, but I think that, I don't know. It just it feels a little again like thirteen degrees of separation. But okay, Goodwin, you can insist that you're a member of the Peace Corps. It's also really biting in retrospect that he's starting the fire and he does start one he starts the signal fire and i bet dollars to donuts josh that he did that so that the others knew where they would be so they could kidnap them yeah i think that that makes sense uh i think that 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 definitely tracks um goodwin very good at his job you know i think it's not he doesn't get caught because he was sloppy he gets caught because anna lucia is very good at her job yeah, and also because there were very few other options left. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all right, let's actually bring in another sound right away. We haven't heard from Bernard or Mr. Echo in the sounds, and we're going to have few opportunities. I think we're probably going to listen to like almost all of the Mr. Echo dialogue in this yep. episode over the course of the, the sounds that we do play, because uh, he only speaks in like four scenes. Um, but let's, let's get this one where he and Bernard are going to be talking, and Bernard, uh, the walking Bernard is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be talking about uh, who has Echo found out there in the ocean. I heard that you were the one who 
pull the dead bodies out of the water? Yes. Or any of them African-American? No. Oh. It's my wife. I can't find her. I will pray for her. Where the hell are the rescue planes? I will pray for them too. Um, <laughs> I realized maybe I in the laugh, audio but... perspective, hearing Bernard go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you play that last bit just one more time? Yeah, hold on. I'm going to get it queued up. <laughs> just Bernard whimpering. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean. All right, here we go. This is the end of the clip. <laughs> he sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's like what Kermit's like. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Biggie. <laughs> Excuse me, did you see a pig in a blonde wig in the water? Yeah. Uh, were, yeah. were, were any of the dead bodies Muppets? Yeah, meanwhile, Rose is on the other side of the island. Where's Bernie? <laughs> Where is he? Oh, God. I mean, God help 815 if they didn't end up training with Miss Piggy instead of Rose. Rose is oh. much less high maintenance than oh, Miss Piggy. God. But I find this such an interesting discrepancy, Josh, in what do we know about Rose? Like, she has been solidly faithful that Bernard is alive, but we see sort of the other side of that relationship and that Bernard is sort of lost without Rose. Like he is not jumping to the, to the best conclusions. Unlike his wife, you know, he's whimpering oddly in the background. Like he's, he's basically in pieces right now. Whereas Rose is sturdy as a rock. Yeah. That's very true of their relationship though, where, uh, he's, he's much more, um, He's he's like a, a a lot more of a worrier than than Rose is. Rose is a lot more about acceptance. Uh, Bernard is like a fighter to the point of uh of a scrambler, and Rose is a fighter in the sense of like every damn day, head down, do the work. Uh, and so for her, she's like, my battle right now is patience because I know Bernard is here and I know I'll find him. Uh, his battle right now is I hope that Rose is here and I'm not going to feel comfortable at all until I find her. Uh, and I think that that fits really well with SOS, which we'll get to later in the season. So we should probably save our Rose and Bernard takes for then. Uh, aww, just aww, of- aww, <laughs> aww. Okay. <laughs> I also think Echo is sort of playing the role of Rose here nicely with the I will pray for them. Because again, Rose seems to be the more faith-based person. And I think that him sort of representing that side of her, maybe, maybe Bernard finds solace in Echo from that perspective because he sort of represents those qualities that he loves most about his wife. Okay, so later that night, there's a scuffle while everybody's sleeping, and everyone's like, oh, what's that? What's going on? Uh, and Goodwin and Anna track down the source of the noise. Mr. Echo has savagely killed two people with a rock. Uh, he's covered in blood. He's heaving. Yeah, and he's, I mean, I, I can't tell where the blood ends and the sweat begins, but he is just drenched right there. And we see that the others are, you know, still in their costumes, no shoes included. I guess maybe it was a sweet mercy for those dead others and that they didn't have to walk around the jungle anymore in bare feet. 
Well, I think that's their stealth suits, right? Like when they're uh, when they, they, they get, their feet are are hardened to the harsh jungle environment, so that they can be uh, quiet on approach on the what, beach. You what if they were wearing shoes. fake feet over their feet, <laughs> stage feet? Yeah, that's possible. Like little hobbit feet. Yeah, oh my exactly. god. Rich, mark this down. Uh, Billy Wallace brought Hobbit feet with him to the. Yes, exactly. Ground. And then uh, Dominic Monaghan stumbles upon it and just blanches yes. at it. Yes, yes, yes. I think this is right. Uh, the next day, like Echo is is now in the mo- mode where he's not going to be talking. Uh, he's covered in blood still. He's not talking um, because he is. Uh, he's he's taking his vow of silence. He's killed people for the first time in a long time. This is not a nothing deal for him. Um, meanwhile, Anna is going full CSI on the others. Uh, there's no wallet, no cell phone, got all these burlap things. There's no labels on their clothes. What are the other identifying characters? They're wearing fake feet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Their feet are fake. Uh, no jewelry, no name tags. That would have probably been a dead giveaway. Uh, no pictures of Ben Linus in their back pockets, you know, and any sort of the major markers but as a result josh three people are missing yeah you know we are missing the core components of the tailies the blonde guy the curly haired guy and the german yeah the german guy uh wow we really missed out on uh meeting the german guy i do feel like there's a lack of eastern europeans <laughs> represented in lost you i know think the german guy could have been cool yeah i think like dieter would have been great like, <laughs> yeah all right everybody out of the water yeah it's like Werner ziegler uh yeah he would have been great in the hatch um who, who described him was it nathan like I nathan so. is also besides the german like pretty horrible descriptor right the blonde guy i listen i have a lot of empathy for nathan nathan gets a raw deal in this episode it's not gonna save him from getting an lvp point but like he, a lot a lot going on with nathan i just uh, think that nathan is is not making like a great case for himself like i think it's very clear that obviously we talked about this when Goodwin was introduced unceremoniously a couple episodes ago, but I think we're led to believe that Nathan is the other. Nathan sounds like Ethan. Nathan's going to say later that he's from dot, dot, dot Canada, much like Ethan Rom. So like the parallels are there and it doesn't help the situation at first that Nathan's introduction is just like loosely describing. And not only that, but also uh, pulling his own Saeed and being the anti-cave person. Right, right, right. Well, I think that the show is doing a good job of uh, getting you suspicious that there's another in the midst and it's probably this guy, Nathan. Especially because we know that Goodwin's going to die uh, and the way that that information was presented to us in a couple episodes earlier suggests that, like, no one will be happy that Goodwin is dead. We were mm. wrong. We were wrong about this. Um, so Anna's saying, like, we gotta, we gotta go hide. We gotta get to a safer place. There's a lot of injured people, though, so it's like, we're not really sure how we're going to move. Yeah, what about Donald? Donald, like, we're not going to be able to move. Poor Donald. <laughs> Could uh, you imagine if they just left Donald on the beach? Uh, Anna says, like, don't worry, we don't need the signal fire. There's the black box, they're coming. And then Sydney's like, ah! So about that, about that, no one knows where to look. You flew two hours in the wrong direction. And then the monster comes and grabs her. Yeah. She's done her part. She's given her information. Exactly. That's it. She gets Seth Norris. Uh, we move from day two to day three. So days one and two, uh, every all the events from the pilot were occurring. Uh, and, and we move on to day three. And this is the same day that Tabula Rasa, Tabula Rasa takes place. So while the marshal is dying, uh, while the marshal is is suffering and, and, and bleeding out uh, and and taking a long time to die. 
and screaming into the night. So too is Donald turning <laughs> here on Taylor Beach. As Libby says, that leg, that leg that I unnecessarily uh, snapped is really looking pretty bad. He's going to be the fourth person to go. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do about that. Well, that's the thing, is that you can already start to see Anna Lucia's kindness and her promise to Emma that she's going to, you know, get them all back. That's starting to wear down a bit. Yeah. Libby approaches her and says, what's going, you know, we have to deal with this. And Anna Lucia simply responds, what are we supposed to do about that? Which is like, not a great comment from a leader's perspective. It's, I mean, I guess, you know, if we're getting putting Anna Lucia, let's put Anna Lucia in Tabula Rasa, Josh. She is 100% shooting the marshal, right? A million percent uh, in, in those circumstances, I think. That and she going. doesn't she's, miss Sawyer. I know, she gets him. She gets him. Uh, but if, if Sawyer hadn't uh, done what he did and then Jack was forced to euthanize the marshal, uh, does the does the marshal die the same day that Donald dies, which is day five? which is what we get to next, where we get this really quick scene of poor Donald being lowered into the ground. Uh, this is day five. This is walkabout. So as uh, the broken-legged Donald dies, the, the freshly-legged Locke rises. Oh, freshly-legged. Perfect yeah. way to describe Locke. Also, this is, uh, is day five still when they do the big funeral pyre, and we mm-hmm. have a much smaller, more conservative ceremony on the tailing yeah. side of things. Yeah, it's a grand affair. There's a buffet over uh, on the on the other side of yeah, the island. Yeah, and, and meanwhile in the tailies, they can't even catch a damn chicken. Not yet, not yet. They'll get there, they'll get there. Uh, so R.I.P. Donald, we hardly knew ye. Uh, meanwhile, uh, day seven, uh, House of the Rising Sun is taking place at this time. So while uh, while while Jin and, uh, and Michael are scuffling... Yeah, while Jin tries to break Michael's neck, Goodwin breaks a chicken's. Goodwin breaks a chicken's neck. This is a classic survivor. It's like, oh, the tribe is trying to track down the chicken. It's a big, cute scene until uh, someone gets its neck broken. Do you think... I think Goodwin should have been the big Wendy and let the chicken go, <laughs> just yeah. to, like, really sow more chaos. Do you think that they only got the one chicken here? Because Goodwin grabs a chicken, breaks its neck, and then, like, you see, like, the full Tailies group, which is so relatively robust, uh, just, like, all eating chicken. Is that is this, like... 14 people splitting one chicken? Yeah, and it's like probably going to be like a rotisserie chicken size, right? Unless everyone's getting like a smidge. And it, looks it makes like- no sense that Echo is going to be off on his own, not talking to anybody, and Libby is going to be able to break away from that group on day seven of being crashed on an island with their first true source of major protein, and she's going to be able to sneak away and offer him a drumstick? That's a prime piece of yeah, chicken. Yeah, there are two drumsticks total on one chicken. No chance. So I have to imagine that they uh, they caught multiple chickens. We just saw them catch the one, uh, but they got it. They must have uh, caught multiple damn chickens. Chicken do, you, damn. do you think that these... Because I forget if we see chickens again. Are they native to the island? Or do you think this was like an others, like, let's release chickens in to sort of like see how they deal with it? Oh, I wonder. I mean, they, we do see uh, we do see chickens in, uh, in Ben's fridge, you know? So mm. they definitely are eating chicken over in New Otherton. Um, well, I think like, so a lot of these people are going to get, uh, snatched up in a couple of days, right? Yes. But they're like putting an operation together to make sure that they can do that. Maybe Goodwin's got some goodwill with the rest of the others because they really like him uh, and they know that his situation is pretty dire. Uh, so as they're having like their clandestine meetings, whether that's in person or some other form of communique, maybe there's a certain type of, uh, smoke signal that you send like, Guys, it's bad here. Please bring us some chickens. Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting. I actually wonder. But they want to like feed the people who they're going to take because they like these people. They're good people. They're like these. Guys, we're gonna, we're organizing our group. We're going to come and take you in a few days. A couple of us got killed. We need to do this better. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, here's a bunch of wild chickens that we'll release on your side of the end. I just realized that Goodwin's supposed to be the lock of this group, which is crazy to me. Again, it, it's going to you know, corroborate so nicely with Anna Lucia and Goodwin facing off on that hill. Again, another man of science versus man of faith in a weird way speaking, but he's supposed to be playing up this survivalist thing, right? He's the one catching the chickens. From the Peace Corps. Yeah, and I think that, you know, much like Locke made a bunch of weird but tight bonds with people and one-on-one conversations, I can imagine that Goodwin was doing the same thing. It's just, in this case, it was to sort of profile people for the list. Yeah. Um... So Libby is going to try and give Echo a drumstick. He's he's focused on a different stick. He's got his his beating stick. He's carving his his scripture stick. He's carving uh, scripture into it. Uh, he hasn't said a word in a week. Why aren't you talking? You're well, just defending yourself. Don't worry. In a few days, everyone's going to get access to new sticks. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Starting day twelve, uh, when Goodwin comes up to Anne, is like, "Oh, sweet hockey stick. We're going to play hockey." She's like, "Yeah." So I thought I thought you know it's about time that we start a field hockey tournament, which is good timing because day twelve is the same timing as solitary, the Saeed episode mm. where Hurley establishes the golf course. So it makes sense that Anna would be establishing uh, a field hockey league here for the Tailies. Yeah, is hunting for pig in quotes? Then it's really just mm-hmm. sort of a cover to actually have a field hockey tournament. Yeah, because it's like it's like uh, two on two field hockey. Uh, they don't want to. It's just like one shooter, one goalie. Well, I was gonna team. say yeah, they, they they can't really. I don't think they could fill like an at one side of a hockey field hockey game with the number of people they have left. Yeah, so it's very elite. It's like very very tight, and they don't want everybody else to know. They certainly don't want Nathan showing up. Yeah, well, uh, well, I don't know. Nathan's a terrible teammate because he's gonna run to the bathroom for a couple of hours every couple of quarters. It's or so. not his fault. He's got a condition. He this man clearly has a condition. Oh yeah, completely. My theory with Nathan is that uh, Nathan. He talks about the reason why he's so vague later on when interrogated by Anna Lucia is because I think that Nathan not only has some form of IBS, but I think he is someone who is like a spokesperson for IBS. Like he has appeared in the, like the hair club for men s commercials of like, I don't just own the company. I'm yeah. also one of its users. And so I think that like he's so embarrassed about that yeah. that that's why he doesn't want to tell anybody. Of course, it's horrible. So and like he like does say like he's like I had to go to the bathroom. Like here he is, he emerges. Anna's working on this hockey stick for pigs. Maybe we'll get some bacon tomorrow and then Nathan shows up. Uh, she's like, "Where were you? We have a buddy system. We have a buddy system on Ooh, steroids." California Anna. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and uh, he's like, "I'm sorry, I had to go to the bathroom." I mean, I mean, I, I guess was, and then once he just too embarrassed to like bring a buddy, he didn't want somebody to just hang out no! for two hours while yeah, he had to like, wait. You're not gonna bring that. Like, listen, uh, I know we're on the buddy system, but what you're about to hear, <laughs> <laughs> you just no you one hear, should have to you just hear from the jungle. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Poor Nathan. Poor Nathan. So, so with a sensitive stomach. Like, my heart goes out to this guy for sure. Like, this is just tough. Well, and especially tough if, I mean, we don't see them partaking in the fruit, but I'm assuming since they haven't really been able to catch anything yeah. besides chickens, that's what they've been partaking in. And we know from Hurley's plight that that wreaks havoc. Yeah. Uh, so I my, I really feel for Nathan. I think he's having a hard time. Like, he's got the, the fruit. He's not even on his strict diet for his IBS. Uh, so it's, it's very bad. Uh, later that night, kids are asleep. Everyone's asleep. Suddenly... Uh. Feet 
yeah, I love this shot where it just pans around the fire and then it backs up to reveal legs standing there. And you know that that's bad news. Especially since, again, this is also filling in when Anna Lucia tells the story in the previous episode about like when people were taken. We mm-hmm. know exactly how the events are fitting together. And now we actually get to see how it's much scarier than she even depicted. Yeah. Uh, lots of foot porn here. Uh, fake feet. Uh, the others are here. The music comes in. We haven't heard music in a long time in the episode. And then like suddenly it's like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, like the, the tension is really, really high. And there's pandemonium. Uh, they take the kids. They take a bunch of people. They take nine people. It's a list of nine of us, uh, which we will hear uh, in in this scene right here is Anna has knocked out Nancy. She's killed, or she's knocked out one of the others. Nancy's gone. Nancy's a separate person. She kills one of the others and finds some some important papers, some documents in this person's pockets. They're gone. Which way did they go? Which way did they go? Wake up! Wake up! Who are you? Talk to me. She's dead. She's dead. What are you doing? Is that a knife? What is that? A list. A list of what? Nine of us. Wow! There's nine of us. The Fellowship of the Nine. <laughs> Don McMonahan's like, stop referencing this. <laughs> I feel like pulled in a different direction. How do you think Goodwin feels about all these others getting brained with rocks? That's why he says, like, Anna, she's dead. Like, this is my friend Betsy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe, Betsy. maybe it's yet another woman he consorted with. Oh, it's not impossible. Goodwin's so, a player. Good, yeah, Goodwin's harem is just slowly dying yeah. out. Yeah. Maybe, and Ben's, yeah, Ben's being spiteful, right? Being like, Hey, why don't you go after your boyfriend Goodwin? All these people, knowing that yeah. they're probably going to get die, die via rocks. Yeah. Uh, so a- after that, uh, no one has found anybody. Uh, Anna's trying to like put her head together with Echo. Like, why? Why is there no sign of anybody who dragged nine of us into the jungle? And Echo doesn't say anything. Like, so it's not a good time to talk. What needs to happen to make you say something? I mean, apparently, give it like. What, 28 yeah. more days? And yeah, then we're, getting, there? we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Nathan's trying to tell Anna to calm down. Anna does not like that. Uh, she does not like that Nathan's been going away. The other day, she says, you were gone for two hours. He goes, I was going. He literally says, I was going to the bathroom. Like, how many times does he talk about the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only thing. I think that's why people sort of stay away from Nathan. I believe there are three times that he says he was going to the bathroom. Yeah, this is the second time on island. The third time will be in the plane, and that's why Anna Lucia doesn't see him. Yeah, I was going to the bathroom, he says. And of course he's going to be furious about this. This is something that's horrible. Um, not all this makes sense. Uh, but Anna's starting to be suspicious that, like, they have infiltrated us. They, they knew the names of nine people. 
They knew their descriptions. The list has descriptions it, of these people. It's which more answers, than just the blonde guy. <laughs> yeah, it answers some of my questions of like uh, before b- because my memory of it was foggy. But uh, when when we got to that scene, which is it's a list of nine of us, uh, and before we got to the next part, I was like, is it just their names? Because like, how did these people like? Know? Okay, so that one's Bob. Yeah, you just shake him awake. Like, hey, is your name Zach? <laughs> okay, sorry, go to sleep. <laughs> That's Janice. Oh, we don't want Janice. We want Janet. Uh, so don't take Bobby D. Take Bobby T. Yeah, Bobby T. It's very important. Bobby D is a bad person. Bobby T is a good person. Uh, so uh, the fact that they have like very like clear descriptions is great. I would love to see what the list looked like. Uh, so Bobby T. He's five six. He's about two hundred and seventy pounds. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's gonna be a little harder to drag than than Steve. Exactly. Steve's uh, dead. Scott's no. Steve's the leave. Scott's dead. Yeah. Exactly. Or like, uh, oh, uh, this guy, uh, you know, Phil. He looks like a uh, character actor Michael Lerner. Uh, you might remember mm-hmm. him from Elf. He played yeah. the boss of Walter's <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that one guy, Rick. He looks vaguely like Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly. Or like Rick. The guy that you could just tell, like, wouldn't hold the door open for you if he was yeah. right in front of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy is clearly not a door opener. No, but yeah, you know, clearly, yeah. like, he's not on the list, but I just wanted yeah. to point it out so you stay far away from Rick. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. Uh, but Bernard, Bernard thinks this is crazy. Who's going to try and infiltrate us? Uh, but Goodwin, at this point, like, knows he can't be challenging Anna, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, he says, I think it's time we let the signal fire go out. So they're going to they're gonna move deeper into the jungle. All of this taking place uh, during uh, solitary, which I think is great um, because, uh, of course, uh, that episode is dealing with other panic, right? Like we're yeah. dealing with uh, not quite Ethan Rom has uh, been revealed as another, but Danielle Russo is certainly, um, she's talking about the others, they're out there. Yeah, and I think that, like you're talking about from Goodwin's perspective, because despite them sort of fulfilling the list, I believe he's still wanted to stay with the others because I think he wanted to, I think he particularly, I believe Ben said that he wanted to scout out Anna Lucia in particular mm-hmm. as yeah. someone who might be worthy of taking. And so it makes sense from a myriad of perspectives why he starts sticking close to her. We'll get to this next scene when the others are making the argument to camp out on the riverbed and Goodwin's the only one that's up by Anna Lucia. I think it's very clear he wants to get into her good graces, A, because she's extremely suspicious of people, and this would definitely lessen the suspicion if he's her right-hand man, and B, if he's really trying to profile her and scout her out as a possible person to take to New Otherton with all these other people, then he wants to to get to know her on a certain level. Uh, So day 15, uh, this is taking place during Raised by Another, so... Uh, while while Claire is having her nightmares um, and and dealing with Ethan Rom, these guys are on a jungle trek. She's on a jungle trek of her own back on the other side of the island. Uh, everybody's looking a little more haggard. Yeah, and, and, I, this is, and this five is, minutes for water. This Thirsty is the only, dogs. This is the only group that's left, right? These are all like named characters at this point. Uh, these are all named characters at this point. It's Anna. It's Nathan. It's Cindy, it's Bernard, it's Libby, it's Echo, it's Goodwin. So I think there's only seven of them left. Wow. Yeah, that must be staggering to wake up and not only to have the the kidnapping trauma happen, but also to see that your group has been halved at this point. Like, it's it's absolutely brutal in numbers. Yeah. Uh, So they've been walking for three days straight. Everybody wants to just, like, drop 
uh, drop their buffs and stay. You know, like everybody just like wants to like hang out here and make this their new camp. Nathan's like, there's fresh water. There's a rock wall at the backs. There's a private area over there. <laughs> yeah, there's the fruit trees, which I will not be partaking in for a little but bit. You guys will like. There's uh, a lot of places to bathroom it up. Yeah, so they they decide that this is going to be where they're gonna where they're gonna stay. A uh, couple days later, day seventeen. At this point, Ethan Rom has already abducted Claire and Charlie. Uh, all the best cowboys has taken place, and the hatch has been discovered by Locke. Uh, on day seventeen, Libby comes to Anna. She's digging a hole. She's like, "I don't know about Nathan. Creeps me out. Dude was gone for two hours the other day, and he she just smelled like pure caca." Yeah, you really think uh, he's one of them? And I says, yeah, why do you think I'm digging this hole? To cover his massive poops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Could you imagine nine- <laughs> if she was like, all right, Nathan, here's your bathroom. You know, in a, in a more just universe, uh, what she was doing was uh, much like how Locke built a crib for baby Aaron. <laughs> She's building, what, an outhouse for him? A, a latrine, a private latrine for Nathan. This is as much for you as it is for the rest of us. <laughs> we can no longer share a latrine with you. Uh, day 19, uh, Bernard and Nathan are, are rabbit hunting. Uh, I love these like Elmer Fudd-esque rabbit tracks, traps that they got set up. And again, maybe Ben was letting go the, uh, the rabbits that he'll break the neck of in season three. Maybe they thought that they'd catch that as opposed to the chickens. Possible. Uh, Anna knocks out Nathan with a single kick to the face. <laughs> I love that. It's I, great. <laughs> I also love that she doesn't say anything. Yeah. They're basically like, hey, Anna, what's up? Kick. What's up? Kick. And, Ber- and Bernard's like, uh, and then we cut to the next scene. Yeah, uh, so they, she she throws him into laws. It took, I guess, like two days to construct the prison. Fairly impressive if Anna was doing that on her own. And by fairly, I mean like very impressive. Yeah, yeah she did that very entirely. Deep hole. Yeah, I mean, considering how much Locke and Boone, how much time it took two of them to dig out the hatch, nearly like a third of a season, to have Anna Lucia do that in two days is staggering. Well, so they, they set up camp here on day 15, and it's day 19 when she throws him into the pit. Uh, so let's say like she started building it on day 15, and that gives her four days to build that thing, still all on her own. That's a lot. That's a lot. She had to have a collaborator. I oh, don't know who it would have been, though. It's Stanley Yelnats, the ghost of Stanley Yelnats. Mm, I think that that's right. Um, Nathan's like, hey, why are you doing this? Let me out of here. You don't want me down here. Trust me. <laughs> uh, and Anna says, so you weren't on the plane. Didn't see you on the plane. Uh, and Cindy is going to tell Anna, uh, yeah, you know what? I actually didn't see him on the plane either. And I'm really good with faces. Oof, Cindy, this Cindy. is a bad miss. Cindy. Yeah, this is Cindy's some- so good with faces and she, uh, doesn't recognize Nathan. She's not going to recognize Jin later either. Yeah, this is, I think Cindy puts more stake in her f- quote unquote photographic memory than she actually has. But yeah, this is some bad confirmation bias of her being like, yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about it in a very uh, confident tone. So, yeah, I guess I didn't see Nathan. You're probably right. Sure. Torture him all you want, Anna Lucia. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what's going on over there. Uh, and Echo doesn't have a problem with it, or at least he doesn't say he's got a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, Bernard's... Bernard, I think, is taking the more rational, reasonable, emotional approach to this whole other thing. Now, not necessarily denying the fact that there's something in their midst, but at least, like you know, the group turning on one another. Granted, you know, I think his ultimate argument is going to be wrong because Goodwin is in their group. But I think, again, 
uh, it, Bernard is sort of like the bleeding heart of the Tailies, it seems. And he definitely represents this throughout the other 48 days. Yeah. I mean, he's like, that's my rabbit hunting buddy. Yeah, he exactly. In the face. We couldn't even catch any rabbits after that. You kicked the trap too, Anna Lucia. All right, let's go later that night. Anna's going to interrogate Nathan. Let's listen in. Where are the kids? Where are the kids? Where are you from, Nathan? Canada. What were you doing in Australia? Company retreat. Where are they? What? The rest of your retreat, where are they? They weren't on the plane. I stayed a couple extra days to sightsee. How come nobody saw you on the plane, Nathan? I was in the lavatory. For two hours? I don't remember seeing you on the plane, Anna Lucia. That's because you weren't on it. That's because you were in the lavatory for two hours. You didn't see me because you were in the bathroom. Where do you come down on the whole Anna Lucia versus Anna Lucia? Should there be a, a down-the-hatch pronunciation of it? I think I say Anna. Yeah, uh, I think both of us hailing from, like, the tri-state area probably yeah, go with the more like Anna, nasally type of inflection to it. Yeah, nasally. Uh, Nathan's from Canada. Do you think that he graduated from business school with really good grades? Exactly, Nathan. Exactly, this is... Here's my plan. I go to the bathroom every two hours, and I don't tell anybody about it. It's my new adventure where I build my own little poo-poo tree to sell to all other castaways. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, also, Nathan, like, you could give him more, like, say Toronto, yeah. you know? Don't just say Canada. That That's where people's fake girlfriends live. I think you're not doing yourselves any favors. But also, he's uh, he's sort of in a weird, desperate situation at this point. Yeah. Uh I, I, it's it's too early in the day to come up with a lot of fresh Nathan for you jokes, but I feel like they're out there. Yeah, they're absolutely. There. I think uh, maybe low hanging fruit. Maybe he was going on a business retreat with the Bill Gates impersonator mm-hmm. in Australia, <laughs> right, uh, right. finding Francis. I think that <laughs> Anna Lucia fixating because we. I'm, this wasn't part of the clip, but the next day when she comes back and discovers that someone's been feeding Nathan, uh, she keeps asking him, "Where are the kids?" And I find the fixation on that question interesting because it really. You know, we talked about this with Walt's kidnapping, this idea of, like, the loss of innocence with the kidnapping of a child, how the situation becomes that much more grave. But obviously, we know we're going to talk about this next week more so and his own complicated history with nearly becoming a parent. And you can imagine that her, quote-unquote, losing a child for the second time in quite some time has to have a profound effect on her. I think so. Um... Okay, so day 23 rolls around. Uh, this is it, nothing else in Lost is going down. It's day 23 is a, is a Taily exclusive. Interesting. For a, for a number day, you'd think that yep. there'd be some sort of stuff going on there. No, whatever the case may be has just happened, I believe. Uh, I think that day 23 is, is on its own, uh, at least according to the Lostpedia timeline uh, of, of the show. Uh, I'll just do a quick scan on a on a double check on that, but I I believe that day twenty three, yeah, day twenty three is only the other forty eight days, uh, so we 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 see nothing else. Um, so Anna is going to come to Nathan again. She's still trying to to get him to talk. Uh, she sees that he's hiding something. What are you hiding? He's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> uh, and she throws a rock at him. It's a banana peel or some sort of fruit peel, uh, and so she's not happy. That somebody has been giving him food. He's like, Bernard, did you do this? You're soft. You'd give him food. You're, You're soft your like buddy. a banana. 
says, no, I don't even think he's such a bad guy. It's your idea that he's a spy. <laughs> and, but then Libby points out, hey, nobody's come for us since Nathan's been in the hole, which is very much like the Lisa Simpson, this rock keeps tigers away logic uh-huh. of, oh, yeah. of course, correlation must be causation. Exactly. Uh, it's Echo. Echo gave him the food. Uh, and no one's going to argue with him because he's scary because he's not talking and he's gigantic and he's killed two people. Right. And I think, I mean, do you think from that perspective, then do you think Echo believes that Nathan is an other or do you think that he is, thinks he is, but is still trying to do the humanitarian thing? Yeah, I and, think, and I think for, for Echo, it probably doesn't matter either way. You know, I mm-hmm. think like for Echo, it's just the humanitarian thing. Is well, I wonder, I wonder if, if he, if he knew who another was, how he would view them. Because remember, there were two people from that group that he killed. So, like, would he show them mercy because he's sort of atoning for his sins in that regard? Yeah, I think so. I think right now he is in this place of, like, uh, I'm not talking because I feel guilty and I need to, you know, attain penance for what I've done. Uh, and so I think, like, this would just be another opportunity to to have some warmth and kindness towards a person who he has wronged for whatever reason all of this is going down. Um, but I do still think there would be like that lingering doubt in him, uh, which is always, you know, a fascinating aspect of any story about faith is, uh, uh, is, is those elements of doubt that I think are very much alive within Mr. Echo. Um, and it's going to walk away. She's going to go down to the riverbed and, and Goodwin's going to follow her. And she's sitting there and she's like slicing into, I don't even know what it is she's eating. It looks like a head of garlic. <laughs> no, I it think- looks like she's eating raw garlic. It's like a white base with like a green stalk. It could- looks like those are garlic scapes. Could it be like some sort of like tapioca root or something? Maybe, maybe. I think it's funnier if she's just eating raw garlic. I mean, that's like is hardcore. She's just chomping on garlic. Not well, we caring. know she's not a vampire, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's not kissing anybody yet. Like, she doesn't care at this point. She's going to... You know what? She would bite into a raw onion and like cry her eyes out. It doesn't matter to her. No, she would wait until day 41 for that. Yeah, exactly. All the onion tears finally come out. Yeah, no crying until later. Um, so uh, she, she's going to say, like, I promised that girl I'd get her to her mom. I, I'm not thrilled to, about To Los Angeles. Situation. Yeah. Uh, Goodwin says, do you have any kids, Anna? And a very... Uh, Pregnant a, pause. <laughs> ee, I wasn't going to say it. Uh, but she says, no. Uh, and uh, Goodwin says, we got to let him go. We're not savages. And it says, if I were a savage, I would have cut off his finger already. That's tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow's finger day. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're eating fingers tomorrow, boys. Ooh, I mean, uh, and imagine, like, she would assumingly use that Swiss Army knife, which, while it is pretty sharp, it's not the finger-cutting variety, so it would be pretty brutal. It'd be painful. I don't think that it comes off cleanly, would be my guess. Yeah, I would uh, imagine so. Like, I think uh, when you get, like, a machete, that might be a little easier. But I guess that's part of the torture aspect of it, right? Is like, it would be more like a saw mechanism. But damn, Anna has fully swung into bad cop at this point. Yeah. Maybe she feels, like, desperate measures because of the people that are missing and how small their group is. But when, I mean, we know this from Anna Lucia. When she is committed to something, she is going to, like, emotionally throw herself fully into it for lack of a better term, whatever the case may be. Totally. Uh, later that night, Goodwin's going to come to Nathan. She's like, Anna's going crazy. She's going to hurt you. You got to get out of here. Here's some fruit. 
The beach is that way. It's five miles that way. Good luck. Oh, by the way, crack. Yeah, I don't know why exactly he uh, dangled these instructions in front of him. He could have very easily just brought him up and broken his neck, but I guess maybe he wanted to be that good guy in the last few seconds of Nathan's life. Oh, he really, yeah, I, I think he needs to get Nathan feeling scared and distracted about the other danger so that he's not suspecting Goodwin at all. He wants to give him a sense of urgency. So I mean, listen, can, Nathan has a sense of urgency considering the last time he used the bathroom. Yeah, believe me, I'm beelining it to the beach <laughs> anyway. I don't know if I'm going to make it that far. Uh, Especially with this fruit pouch you gave me. Yeah, so Nathan, uh, RIP Nathan. What a raw deal for Nathan. He had a really, really tough so time. So many bet Like, everything that could have gone wrong for Nathan, he ended up in the worst group with the more hard-ass leader, you know, c- trying to excuse his actions in very embarrassing situations. And when he thinks that his savior is finally here, he breaks his neck. Yeah. Uh, but good on Goodwin. I think that it obviously is a very effective move. You know, he's able to, to gain Nathan's trust very quickly. He's able to buy himself, uh, this is what, night 23? He's going to be alive for another four days. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think that, you know, he also does this really... It's it's really interesting to see him go from this to when Anna Lucia wakes up, and you see Goodwin, like, sweetly waking up next to her. You know, it's... Oh, do you think sweetly? I thought it was so creepy. He's like, hi. I, I think it was him trying to play up his innocence, though, right? Of like, yeah. well, it couldn't have been me. You know, I would have had to get up, and I was sleeping right next to you, and I know that your observation skills are impeccable, Anna Lucia. You wouldn't right. know... You, you would know when I got up. So it's almost, again, think, him trying to provide an alibi for himself. I think the move would have been on... So it's it's the morning of day 24. Hearts and Minds is happening at this point. Uh, in Expose, Nikki and Paolo are finding the pearl. Speaking of bathrooms. Uh, and uh, I think the move for Goodwin here, when Anna wakes up and sees Goodwin is wide awake. When she turns over, Goodwin should have had like his thumb in his mouth. Yeah. Like been like fast asleep. Like, I'm tired. Oh, I'm so sleepy. I've been sweeping so much lately. No, or what you do is you're like, oh, I'm so well rested. What yeah. a great oh, night's sleep. I'm ready to take on the five first mile hike. Great night of sleep. I definitely slept the whole night. Let long. me tell you all the dreams that I had. I reached into a not- crib and there was black <laughs> ichor in it. It was gross, but I slept well. Uh, Cindy comes and says, Nathan's gone. Uh, and Anna says, we got to get out of here. They found us. They found us. Uh, so day 26 uh, rolls around. Uh, special is taking place over the next couple of days of the show. Oh, I'm, I'm glad uh, there's no CGI polar bears to harass them as they make their way back to the beach. Currently not. Uh, they make it to the beach. They're at the ocean. Why, why do you think they went back to the shore? Is it because the, the water's at their backs and sort of in the theming of homecoming, they figured that that would protect them? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think to a degree, I think there's that. I think also it's like uh, they don't want to push deeper into the jungle, maybe. Mm, yeah. You know, I think like given what's going on in the jungle at this point, I don't know. I think that they don't have a lot of great options. No. Uh, Basically, every location they go to, something bad happens. But they're going to find the arrow on the next day, day 27. Uh, they find the bunker. Yeah, and they say, uh-huh. get out of here, Diggle. We're living get here Get out of here. Uh, so Echo goes in. He, he bursts it open. Door says quarantine. Not going to make quarantine jokes. No. Uh, I, well, this is also, uh, Josh, believe it or not, this is a wrap on the arrow. This is the last time we're ever going to see this station in the series. I wonder, so the arrow sucks. The arrow is very bleak. It's a storage facility. There's a little bit of, like, uh, electricity in here. There's a box with a Bible, a glass eye, and a radio. We know what the radio is going to be involved with. We know what the Bible is going to be involved with. The glass eye, do we just, like, assign that to Mikhail? 
Well, that I don't know, because Mikhail's eye was, like, scarred over. My theory is maybe the others were trying to construct, like, dummies to use for some sort of traps, and maybe they were <laughs> using, like, fake body parts, like the fake feet. I think maybe it's, like, a, an early Easter egg of, like, we're gonna, we opened on an eye, we're gonna close on an eye. Ooh, I like uh, that, yeah. Maybe it's just, like, a clue that, like... Uh, now, what if it know- closed on that glass eye? Like, they cut to the arrow <laughs> after all yeah. this, and it just cucks to the glass eye, and it sort of irises in, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Rich, remember that there is a glass eye that the tailies find in the arrow station so that Billy Wallace uh, can uh, have a new glass eye in the next episode of The Lost Do you RPG. really want to have him have a used glass eye? If they sterilize it. There's nothing there to sterilize it with. <laughs> They're at the Swan Station now on the other side of the beach. They can, I guess that's sure true. Uh, there's, no, there's no, they'll, or they'll make a stop over at the staff and like, yeah. find some disinfectant. <laughs> yeah, there's, maybe that's the whole point of the missions. Like, I can't put this in unless I sterilize <laughs> unless I, it. Unless I find some sanitizer. But the, the, arrow, the arrow sucks. Like, that's all that's here. And it's just like a very bleak bunker. So it makes me think, like, are there lots of different arrows on the island? Or mm. is this the only one? Or is like arrow a type of storage facility that you find across the island? Well, I think that the arrow also has a bit of a different function. Like, I'm pretty sure it was just used for developing, you know, uh, like defense strategies against the hostile. So I wonder if it also sort of fell into disrepair once the whole hostile situation was resolved. It was just more one of the more like shirked stations because they felt okay, we've temporarily made peace with the hostiles, no need to use the arrow anymore. So this is sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the hatches. 100%. Um, yeah, it just is not great. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get more into the Bible, uh, I think, two episodes from now. Um, they're going to try and use the radio. It's not really working. But it's like, yeah, it's the hills. They're blocking us. We got to go, we gotta go taller. I'm going to go do it. And then I was like, cool, I'll come with. He's like, ah, kind of hoping I could do this as a solo thing. She's like, yeah, but I kind of want to come with you. So, so what do you think his plan was? Do you think he was going to, like, smash the radio? Was he just planning to get out of Dodge at that point? Could be. That would make sense, especially, like, if he's, like, stuck with people that uh, he doesn't really... I mean, why is he still with them is actually a good question. Yeah, I, I know, mean, I, I still honestly do think that he want, he's thinking about recruiting Anna Lucia. I think it's just yeah. a matter of, like... I mean, did he feel like it was a lost cause at yeah. that point? Did he purposely he them? Did he purposely yeah. like lead her along, knowing that she would want to come with him because you know they're close and she's uh, the leader? I'm not entirely sure, but it's, I, th- I think it's a good bet that like he wanted to he wanted to cheese it, he wanted to get out of there, uh, or he was gonna like break the radio and be like, "Oh, I fell. It sucks. I'm so sorry." Or, or uh, say, "John Locke knocked me out." Yeah, like I, I I found the others again. They knocked me out. It's not good. Uh, you know, that's possible if, if he is still here because he's like vetting the remaining people. Like maybe he does think that some of these people are actually good people. Uh, I think that that's worth talking about in, in a bit here. Um, as, as Anna and Goodwin are, are hiking, uh, she asks him the four questions. Uh, why, why is this day different than any other day? Why, why can are you these double- others attacking, <laughs> attacking some of us, yeah, but not the why other? Why can you double dip into the papaya today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why can we not sit? Uh, yeah, it's a Goodwin says like, oh, well, maybe the first people, they were tough. They were athletic. They were threats. Oh, I like this. It's like, well, you know, you got to get rid of these people post-merge. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I also yeah. think it's interesting language that Goodwin says, sort of pushes back on the idea that the others weren't attacking them. I wonder if this is him sort of, again, showing his hand of, like, we weren't attacking you, we were saving some of you, or mm-hmm. we were picking some of you. Yeah. Uh, I guess they changed their plan after two of them got killed. Uh, and then they sit down, and he's going to open up some mango, 
mango. Uh, and she's going to uh, give him the knife to do it. Uh, he's going to give her a slice. The mango looks really delicious, by the way. It does. Um, and I think it's also, you know, I don't know. And we're obviously going to play the, the the longer part of the conversation. But we sort of have the knife get passed back and forth here. I wonder at what point Anna suspected Goodwin. And if it was early in the conversation, brilliant on her to very subtly get the knife back. And maybe that's why this whole, like, hey, where do you think this Swiss Army knife came from thing came from? Because she's like, if if he really is who I think he is, he is going to wield that knife as soon as I really dig in hard on him. Yeah, I, th- I think, like, you know, she goes on the on the hike fully suspecting him. So the, the entire knife exchange is she's suspecting him at this point. Uh, and she's, like, kind of, like, I think, like, just, like, feeling that out a little bit more. I think that she's on high alert. So in giving him the knife, like, she's ready for the scenario where he turns that on her necessarily. Uh, so I think like she's, she's undercover at the moment. Uh, she's a cop playing like a criminal. Um, all right, let's listen in on the conversation cause it's wild. Let me also just say Sarah Anna Lucina. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think they got it? I mean, they don't even wear shoes. How'd they get an army knife? Sorry? A knife. It's U.S. military. Here. I'll show you. You see the Tang stamp? This knife's probably 20 years old. You don't see these anymore. Yet here it is. On this island. Weird, huh? Can I ask you something? Sure, Anna. You ran out of the jungle the day of the crash. How did you... How did you find Bernard up in the tree? I heard him shouting from the beach. From the beach? Why are you asking me about that, Anna? Did he see you out there? Is that why you pretended to be one of us? You ran out of the jungle ten minutes after the crash. You weren't wet. You were never even in the ocean. Where are they? Your friends. Nathan. What did you... If you had cut off his finger and he still told you he was on the plane, I think maybe you would have started to believe you had the wrong guy. Did you kill him? Nathan was not a good person. That's why he wasn't on the list. What about the kids? Did you kill them too? Children are fine. They're better off now. 
Great scene. Oh, I love Great it. Great scene. Great scene. And uh, so, so let's let's look at it. Let's look at it from both perspectives. So, so Anna really uh, turns the corner here and flips the table essentially, mm-hmm. and and really like puts it all out there and is like, yeah. So I know it's you. Uh, and Goodwin, having spent as much time as he has spent with Anna, al- almost a month at this point, is like, yeah, she's good. I'm not going to bullshit her. Um, but is that because like now he's like so scary and he's so confident in his own supervillain abilities that he's going to be able to get the jump on Anna here? Or is it because like here he is and he's like, he's maybe not doing such a great job at it. But like, if you, if you hear his words where he's saying like, Nathan wasn't a good person. That's why he wasn't on the list. Uh, and then say the children are fine, they're better off now. Then they fight, right? Like the next thing that happens, which we're not going to hear, is they fight, they roll down the hill, Goodwin jumps onto the stake, she kills him. But his final words are the children are fine, they're better off now. What was he going to say next? Is he going to be like, so listen, like I know that this is all scary. Like I'm vetting you guys to come to like my really cool place here in the island. Like you may have a spot with us. Like this is all going to work out great. Uh, let me try to explain what it is we're doing. And instead, Anna just like embarks on super rage fight with him. Is that what was about to happen? So I am inclined to say yes, but it's purely because of one thing I saw in the Lost on Location video for this episode where, you know, we we see this sometimes in Lost, like when they're doing behind the scenes stuff, they'll be filming a scene and then you sort of hear characters improv lines or maybe say alternate lines while they're in the middle of a scene uh, that's you know different from what we see on the screen they film part of the fight between Anna Lucia and Goodwin and there's a super interesting part where they struggle and Goodwin keeps repeating it doesn't have to be like this right which really makes me think that his intention in bringing her along up here was like I'm going to come clean about this and I'll bring you along. I don't know if he was going to bring everyone else in. I, I do think that maybe he just like personally pegged Anna Lucia as maybe the last person to bring over from the Tailies, or he was going to kill her. Like he, he, that it's basically one or the other. Either way, they're, they're both not coming back down from that hill to join the Tailies. Either they're going off to other tin together or she's going to die. And so I think, Part of the reason why he's so upfront about this is maybe he he judges Anna Lucia as a very straightforward person, which she is, yeah. uh, to sort of like come clean and tell the truth and see how she would sort of get in on it. It does feel a little biting, though, right? To sort of have someone be like, well, they were good people because the implication, right, is you're not a good person and that's why right. you weren't on the list. Right, 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 right. But I think that these are two people at the top of their game in this moment, like the the meeting of the minds. And Anna does what is right for her and that in her perspective, and Goodwin reacts accordingly. Uh, maybe Goodwin shouldn't be doing like the Jack jumping off the rock at fake yeah. John Locke at the end of the show uh, while she has a spiky stick in her hand. Um, but other than that, I think like they're they're both doing the right things given their circumstances. And I do think Goodwin, like if he had had like, two or three more seconds to talk, I think he would have embarked on like, let me just tell you what's up. You know, it, we, we hear it from Ben later. If we're to believe him, that Goodwin was, was vetting Anna to potentially come to, to the, uh, to the others. Uh, and I, I think you, you wonder like, why else would he be still hanging around? Unless Ben was just like refusing to let him come home at that point, which is <laughs> yeah, also uh, No, you still have a couple more things you're supposed to do. Like see what type of stuff they're eating. My yeah. question is, Let's say you haven't died yet. Let, yeah, let's say Goodwin does get that explanation out. 
do you think Anna takes the offer? Or do you think that she's so committed no. to the tailies at this point that she goes yes. back to them? Yes, I think so. I think so. She's, it's all of us or none of us. And even if it's all of us, I think like everything that she has seen has uh, caused her to not trust uh, the the others. Uh, I think if she has her druthers, not others, I think that she uh, subdues Goodwin rather than kills Goodwin. Uh, killing Goodwin is a bad lose uh, for the situation, uh, considering like now she knows he's another. She could throw him in laws uh, and like actually maybe get some information out of him. Uh, but you know, circumstances being what they are, she's kind of. I think uh, you just got to take the the. You got to take the victory where you can get it, even if it's a fatality. Uh, so she kills Goodwin. Right. And I, I would say also that, like, this is comparable to the homecoming thing, too, right? Where there could have been a situation where, oh, we kidnap him and we get information out of him or we see if other people are going to, to come find him. Maybe not in this case, because Ben clearly does not like Ethan. But, you know, Anna sort of plays the Charlie role here in that she feels like he needs to die right there, right then. It's a much less loaded history than what Charlie does, but I think it's a similar decision nonetheless. And it's two days before the death of Ethan Rom, so Ethan outlasts Goodwin, uh, but Goodwin made it pretty far with a with a much rougher situation and more time with the group. You know, yeah, and also more like direct kills, right? It's not until uh, Ethan really gets discovered that he's going to start killing people. Just, Goodwin's doing it like undercover when there's only like seven people left. Yeah. So this is a, I think I think Goodwin. I was very impressed by Ethan as another, uh, in in terms of like his physical prowess and stuff. But he got caught so much more easily. Uh, Goodwin really did a great job. Great, great win. Great win for Goodwin uh, as far as being undercover for as long as he was, given that he was up against some pretty competent people. Yeah, he he, um, he like outed himself essentially. Like I, I do wonder how much further things could have gotten had he not been so sketchy and decided to you know kill Nathan, and then finally make this ultimatum with Anna Lucia. We go from day 27, Anna returns, and we're like, where's Goodwin? She's like, yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, and so we yada yada from day 27 to day 41. I guess a, a fairly boring stretch of surviving for the group. Uh, and when we get to day 41, uh, Bernie's going to be on the radio. And we're going we're gonna, to, uh, this is taking place during... Uh, Deus Ex Machina, obviously. This is going to be the other side of the boon call. Let's listen in. Why are you wasting your time with that thing? There's no signal. I only turn it on a couple minutes a day. It really doesn't... Hello? Hello? Anybody out there? Mayday, mayday. Is there someone there? Hello? Hello? Who is that? Repeat your transmission, please. We're survivors of the crash of Oceanic Flight 815. Please copy. We're the survivors of Flight 815. No, no, wait a minute. What are you doing? It's them. It's them. They're trying to draw us out. They're trying to find us. No, he said 815. He said Flight 815. They know our flight number because Goodwin knew our flight number. Well, what if there really are survivors out there? There are no survivors. This is our life now. Get used to it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be long. <laughs> yeah, for some of them. I mean, this is a yeah. long cry from the Ana Lucia we saw with Emma saying she was going to get her home. Like, you see... 
the full transformation of this character. And we still have more to discover, uh, which we'll talk about in the next scene. But yeah, we finally get to see the other side. We realize how Sam Anderson does a great uh, Boone impression, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's also interesting. We're a little bit of a callback to the raft, the raft as well, that he can only turn on the radio a couple minutes a day. Right. to save the battery. I mean, as much as Anna Lucia, you know, we're sort of like, no, like, it wasn't the others, it was Boone. As we know from the other side of that conversation, uh, the conversation got cut short off, cut, cut off short, like, very quickly after Bernard signed off anyway. So it's not like they would have had a full conversation up there in the Beechcraft. You say uh, we're a long cry from Anna, but the, the long cry is just <laughs> a second away here. And let's just get into that final sound from the episode as Anna is going to go to the riverbed and, and let it all out. it that's the episode. i was gonna say like this it ends really right should have been the because i this episode actually had five extra minutes added on which uh will be the first of many times over the course of season two in particular man i wish that we cut out those next five uh, minutes because like this is <laughs> i know this is just a really beautiful scene and a great place to end for both the characters of anna lucia and echo you know anna is going to be such a hot and cold character you know i feel like th- like the way she acts on the island is very similar to the way we see her in collision, but the way she acts here is the way we're going to see her at the end of the flashbacks in Two for the Road when she cries to her mom about running away to Australia. So it, it's so interesting to see facets of this character because I feel like her vulnerabilities are something we're not going to address immediately like we would with other characters, but it's still great to see that facade fall because this is a character that has been through so much and it is fundamentally broken her and the the fact that she feels like she could only express those emotions by herself to sort of come across as the steadfast leader again very much compares to to the jack of it all too yeah it's it's a really really great scene uh a really great flip side to anna after everything that we have seen 
uh, from her earlier in the episode. Um, and for Echo, too, like, it's so cathartic that, you know, this, like, really speaks to the power of his uh, his position and his desperate attempt to believe again and have, you know, his faith restored and everything like that that he's working towards. Um, for him to talk here, uh, you've been waiting 40 days to cry is just such a good line. Uh, and... Man, I wish this was the end of the episode. It's not. Uh, the episode continues, and I just want to yada yada through it. I don't think that I want to well, spend the, much the time on it Well, because the episode yada yada through it as well. So, like, so what the rest of the episode does is we get to see everything that we've seen earlier in season two again, with like slight perspective from from Anna and Echo, but otherwise we're really like it's like we're fast forwarding through the first Taylor scenes of season two. Like, there's like strange Giacchino music that doesn't fit very well At- with like the. Fun f- the flash forwarding stuff. Yeah, fun fact, Josh. Uh, from the Jim Fells video, I learned this that they officially released that final song, and it was called "The Tribes Merge." Yeah, the tribes merge. Yeah, well, they've been talking about it from that perspective, so that makes sense. Um, but it just—it feels like this is this is here because, uh, and it feels more like a like a, a network note than a creative choice mm-hmm. of like, uh, or maybe you know, the, to to not like. Uh, say that like Lindelof and Q's are are infallible. Uh, yeah, like I mean it could be that like, well we gotta bridge the gap for people. But I, I think it would have been just as sensible if we end it with with Anna crying and Echo holding her. And then the next week we'll go to collision and we'll get a previously on Lost. Uh, and like you can start that episode off in a way that like resets this and we don't need to see any of that stuff. If this episode ends with Anna and Echo uh, waiting 40 days to cry, I just to spoil my 4.2 stars, uh, I would give this a 4.0. I yeah. think that this would be an episode that cracks into the fours. Uh, as, as it were, the, the fact that the Taylor Stone will end up being like massively important to the, to the grand scheme of things and the fact that this ending is just really dumb. Uh, it, it's enough to dock it, not too much. I, I'm going to give it a 3.9 in the end. Very survivor, a uh, very survivor number. Uh, but like it's it, it was so close to being in that elite four category, uh, and the ending is just not good. Where we're just like yada yadaing through everything and having to see this all again, and it just like plays so awkwardly. It's just it's really bad. It's it's in the conversation for the worst endings of any lost episode ever. Yeah, I mean to describe the quality, it is like. If a fan made a commemorative YouTube video of the Tailies in 2006 and they set like random scenes in slow motion to music beneath it, that's literally what this is, is we see literal just flashes of, you know, uh, them kidnapping Michael and Sawyer, them getting thrown into laws and Lucia getting thrown into laws. Them going on the hike, losing Michael, and then, you know, ending up shooting Anna Lucia shooting Shannon in the raid. It's just such a weird way to be like, and now you know the rest of the story. Let me try to make a happy medium here, Josh, because I agree, I would have loved to finish with the Anna and Echo stuff. What if we get the Anna and Echo scene, then we get the timpani drums back, and it turns out that this was all a flashback, and we see Anna Lucia shoot shit. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Mike Bloom, give the man a job uh, on the on the Lost writing staff. Uh, that That's incredible, Mike. Oh, thank I, you. I love that. I think that that's great. I think that that's great. I think that that's the fix. Yeah, because I think that's what it does, is basically it literally tells people, like, oh, yeah, this is what happened, and now this is where we are. And, you yeah. know, they're far from shy from showing the same event happen from multiple angles, but I don't think you need to show everything that leads up to it. It just reminds us of the stakes. And yeah. n- now we know exactly... Very clever. That would be very clever. Yeah, and, and exactly what we saw happen, particularly with Anna Lucia's psychology, that got her to this point of shooting Shannon. And I think we're going to get much more into it 
next episode. But I think that'd be a good way to sort of like split the difference, not have to do this weird slow-mo montage. I thought we, Josh, it seemed like we'd really abstained from the slow-mo for so long after the weirdness it was used in season one. But here it goes rearing its head on uh, an otherwise very beautiful episode. Agreed, agreed. Like it, this really dates the show, I feel like, uh, a scene like this. It's like, oh, this is very early 2000s. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Again, it feels like it's harkening back to season one in so many ways, including random uses of slow-mo, especially with information that we already know. I could realize that maybe someone has forgotten the past, like, five weeks of loss, but it it felt odd because, yes, we were a bit quick with the days. You said that we skipped some good portions of time there near the end, but it, it sort of really did feel like we were just brushing past what we already knew about the last, what, like, four or five days it was? Yeah, something like that. So we didn't need it. We didn't need it. I think your solution is great. Elegant. Oh, elegant, I thank right? you. I don't think I've ever been called elegant before. I'm the. Is this is the first time. I'm the. Po- I'm on the podcast yeah. version of a bull in a china shop. So it's nice to hear that I can <laughs> uh, become a Ming vase occasionally. All right, Mr. Bloom. Uh, shall we get into the feedback? Shall we get into the others? The others. Feedback. Oh no! Yeah. There's been too much talk of the others. Do they have a list? A list of feedback? For the us? others. Forty-eight feedback. Uh, so let's, let's, this is from Ben, the Ben behind the curtain, the great Ben Martell, uh, who notes that the official Lost podcast, it officially began in the early part of season two. It was, uh, this podcast, it was a relatively early adopter of the medium and it revealed tidbits and coined phrases that would become a big part of overall Lost lore. Uh, so we'll dig into that podcast from time to time. I think that's going to be a great resource for us moving forward through down the hatch. Uh, but one that's worth, you know, putting out there now is this term tailies that we talk about. That comes from Damon and Carlton. That comes from huh. the podcast. Uh, so, you know, it's not just like a cute thing that was dubbed by the fans. That's like how they were referring to them internally in the writer's room. So this isn't like a Baby Yoda situation, right? Where like no. the audience <laughs> creates a name that then becomes canon even though the creators will refuse to admit it. They have to they can't give him a name now, by the way. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're just going to they're I think they are set on just referring to him as the child throughout. Yeah. Uh, or there's going to be this big moment where like they reveal the child's name, you know? They're not going to be able to call him like Yazzle. That's not going to work. Yazzle dazzle. It's not going to work. Yazzle dazzle. <laughs> uh, some some notes from Ben in the in the early going of the podcast. Uh, just to date uh, Lost a little bit and the podcast a little bit. Uh, that in one of the early episodes, Damon and Carlton had to explain that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Uh, that, uh, that Iron Man's we, alter ego is named Tony Stark. Uh, well, we learned he was Iron Man tragically last year as well. Yeah, but this is a long time before uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a thing. And by a long time, I mean like just a few years, but uh, a few years makes a difference. Uh, also in the early going of the podcast, Carlton uh, uh, took a took a jab at, at Damon and said, you're not going to tell everybody about the time travel, are you? Uh, so they were thinking about that already, season two, you know? Well, I, I think it's one of those things that like, you know, you you joke about in the moment, and then in retrospect, it becomes that much more worse knowing that it actually does happen. <laughs> uh, another other from Ben Martell. Apparently, there's a deleted scene from this episode where it explains that the boomerangs on the plane were the property of Melbourne Walkabout Tours. Uh, oh, Troyzan! Is it possible that Locke stole them as revenge and then checked them along with his knives? I like the idea better that Melbourne Walking Tours dug in the knife or the boomerang by being like, Oh, I guess while you're headed back, uh, can you uh, s- s- transport some boomerangs for us to the mm-hmm. states? <laughs> yeah, while you're while you're on the way. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I uh, there's there's a boomerang hoarder out there. We we don't know exactly who it is. We think it's the doll smuggler as well. Fireworks and do- and doll smuggler and smuggling boomerangs as well. 
Yeah, I, I really did think we're missing some sort of smuggling character. I guess we are going to have, you know, diamond thieves uh, aboard the plane, but I feel like there's some smuggling character that we're missing out on. Missed opportunity that Sawyer wasn't smuggling onto the plane. I guess it's enough that he's the smuggler on the island. He's like the, mm. you know, he's he is the Han Solo. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the other thing. That'd be interesting as well, seeing Sawyer in the Tailies camp, because there's nothing to smuggle. You know, like, I, it didn't really seem like, didn't seem like they were able to even build, like, rudimentary tents using the fuselage stuff like they did over on 815. Like, they right. had nothing. They just had to huddle up on the sand. Yeah, I think uh, Sawyer on the Tailies beach, he's he's the new Nathan, sans bathroom emergencies. Absolutely. He's getting thrown in that tiger pit. And, and as we saw in the first few episodes of the season, like, he is even going to push back further with Anna Lucia than Nathan did in terms of giving away information about himself. Like, um, he would let his finger get cut off. Uh, all right, let's get into some questions. This is from Dallin Servo. Who writes in and says, how do you feel about the placement of this episode? Does it throw off the momentum the season was building? Is it similar to the Across the Sea placement in season mm. six? Um, I think I, that this is an interesting question because I'm, I'm, I'm out here advocating. And when we get to it and down the hatch, we're going to watch Across the Sea before we get into the rest of season six. Like that's going to be our season six prologue. That's the order of operations here. Um, I don't think that this needed to be reordered. The other 48 days. I don't think it's as egregious as Across the Sea. Because remember, Across the Sea, we lost three major characters in a devastating fashion. And you want to see what happens next. Here, again, not to besmirch Shannon's death, but it's it's Shannon's death. And I guess you could say, like, oh, the groups, we wanted to see the groups come together and it hadn't happened yet. So I am personally fine with this placement. I did think of one alternative placement, though, and I would say if there is a place to put it, maybe something like after everybody hates Hugo, uh, uh, where like we are have pulled you know the three guys out of out of laws, and now we're seeing the arrow, and now we're seeing Bernard. That could be an opportunity to sort of flash back and see where we got to this point with the Taylors. And then from that perspective, maybe you eliminate like the Goodwin thing from episode five, and you eliminate Anna Lucia's story from from episode six but i feel like that could be an interesting spot where like i don't want to put it in the middle of the opening trilogy but i want to put it i would want to put it at a point where you know enough has happened with the tailies that you really want to find out more about them and i feel like with everything that happens and everybody hates hugo with actually seeing the arrow and the tailies in operation that could be a good opportunity to go back i i think that you still had the best solution with uh do like a flashback noise after the scene by the riverbed uh and just like you know, cut to the to the Shannon, uh, the Shannon murder. Um, but mm. since you can't really do that, I think barring that, my suggestion for a rewatch is you watch the other forty eight days right through to the riverbed scene, and then you skip to collision. Like you yeah. don't watch the end. Just don't watch the ending. I think that you can for that last act, not worth watching. Completely skippable. Yeah, I I agree, especially because Collision is going to begin with the way this episode ends. So you're not skipping much. Right. You're literally going to be missing a recap. You're missing of the like five, six episodes of Lost, five to six minutes of filler. Not worth watching. And I I would say also uh, I think that the other forty eight days is is situated really well um, because I think that it's it's important to the way that the story is being told that you you don't really fully grasp what Ant. You don't really fully grasp what Anna and Echo and everybody have been through um, up until right. this, to this point. And I, I think to like 
she kills Shannon and like you want some explanation for why something so shocking could occur. If you already have the events of the other 48 days in mind, I think that like you're closer to like understanding like, Oh God, that whole thing really roughed them up. Um, and like, you're already ready to kind of like side with Anna to a certain extent, or at least see a path towards redemption for Anna. I think that to, uh, to have Shannon die, then we go and explore why all of this, uh, went down the way that it did for the tailies. Um, I think that that helps. I, I I think it helps to to give you like some new perspective, and it sets the deck for collision in a way that's much more effective. So I think it's 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 placement is fine. It's really the ending that's egregious. Yeah, and I would also say, actually, speaking of recaps, uh, I feel like this was didn't need to be said, but just in case, Loss has had a, a, a number of random recap episodes scattered throughout to sort of fill out the missing weeks. We are not going to be covering those uh, yeah. because it's it's very much rehashing material. And as we have shown with our feelings toward the last five minutes of this episode, uh, we don't necessarily like recaps here on Down the Hatch. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to do it. Uh, the missing pieces, we're going to get to those. We have a plan for that. but uh, Right, but things like lost revelation and no, lost reckoning. So. like Maybe yeah. when we're all done and if we're grasping at straws, if we want to keep going, we can we can go back and recap the recap shows. could be fun. I mean, that could yeah. actually be fun because then we're like, <laughs> then we're refreshing ourselves on things that are two years old for us at that point. Yeah, let's we'll do it. We'll do it between our uh, our viewings of like, let's get refresh ourselves on how the show happened, and then we can go back from the beginning once more to really get into it in depth again. All right, from Daniel Brennan, why did the others terrorize the tailies, but for the most part leave the original survivors alone? What explains such drastically different treatments of the two groups? Um, do you have a thought on this, Mike? So it could be that the Tailies are more vulnerable. It seems like 815 is functioning more as its own sort of ragtag society. They got like better supplies. They've got better island placement probably. And they're a pretty robust group. They have boar. It seems like there are bigger threats in terms of like people to sneak in there and capture. The Tailies have literally nothing. No water, no food aside from fruit. You know, they're right out in the open in the middle of the beach. A bunch of them are dead and waterlogged. And so I think they're the much easier, quote unquote, prey in that regard. Or maybe it's just that Goodwin got his list together quicker. You know, I think uh, Ethan was chastised for kidnapping Claire and going rogue and not making a list. Maybe Goodwin was just the better student. And so they decided to go for the tailies first. Uh, Eric Divestein writes in, how could the others be so reckless as to get so many of their own killed while kidnapping the tailies? I don't know if it's that they're so reckless so much as they're just underestimating how badass Echo and Anna are. I was going to say, especially that first night. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not think they expected to get brained with a rock <laughs> yeah. by Mr. Echo. And I do mm. wonder if their tactics changed after that, where, you know, th- maybe they tried to go more after like the silent ambush, even though to your point, Anna still does get one i do wonder if we were able to see like the other other 48 days of how the others were handling things how ben as a strategic planner might change tactics based on the fact that two of them got killed despite three others getting kidnapped in exchange uh from stefan johnson is goodwin one of the most underrated characters on lost and for good measure is brett cullen one of the most underrated character actors on tv uh, Brett Cullen's great. I really love Brett Cullen, and I think that he does a great job here as Goodwin. Is Goodwin one of the most underrated characters on <laughs> Lost? No! Um, well, maybe in the sense that, like, people don't really think to rate him. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, for a guy who appears in, he's going to appear in what, like a handful of episodes, right? Like, yeah, but it's always a good time when he shows up. I think you it's know? always a good win for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, is he as iconic as some of the other others? No. Uh, but is it a good time when Goodwin shows up? Yeah, I do think so. I think yeah, I, I, mean, think, I, I think he I, did a good job as the character. If we're power ranking others, I mean, give me him above like Danny Pickett, definitely. But like, also give me Tom Friendly above him. So I think he's he's definitely in that upper echelon. But I would say not the top spot in my opinion. Uh, Millie Wise has some uh, harsh words for Anna Lucia. Millie writes in, "I dislike Anna Lucia so much. I dislike her leather vest. I dislike her attitude. I dislike how quick to violence she is." When Michael shoots her, I'm glad. Only Oof. sad for Michael being a murderer. Definitely never sad. Anna Lucia is dead. She's the worst. Thank you for your time. Harsh. Harsh words wow. for Anna. Good good eulogy for Millie Wise, speaking just like Saeed did at Boone's funeral. <laughs> I think because Anna's so mean to the original uh, trio that she meets of Jin and Sawyer and Michael, and then she kills Shannon, and it's not a great look for her against Saeed the first time. I think it's it's uh, pretty easy to not be enamored with Anna right away. I have found that she's an acquired taste of a character. Uh, mm-hmm. That I I think that the the more I watch Lost, the more I enjoy Anna Lucia. I think my feelings when I was first watching it, without knowing any of the scope of her story, was closer to Millie's because I think that the arc of Anna is she becomes more likable and more um more root worthy, like somebody who like you understand better. Yeah, that's, closer that, that's to the what- end. That's what I would say. More understandable, yeah. I think. Because it's such a discrepancy between the very, seems like, friendly and cordial conversation and a bit cheeky that she has with Jack during right. Exodus and just her here when we meet her with Jin and Michael and Sawyer. I will also say, I think, unfortunately, Michelle Rodriguez has resting scowl face where like her brow is furrowed at nearly all times that it just looks like she's an angry, mean person even when she's not. So it doesn't necessarily help that like she sort of unfortunately carries that disposition with her. I think that, you know, the character is often angry uh, in, in the writing of her in the early going. And I think like if you're not taking her full arc into account, uh, I think that she could be a little bit of a hard presence on screen. Um, but I, I can no longer see Anna without thinking of the full extent of what happens to her, what has happened to her. Uh, and I, I really like Michelle Rodriguez just generally. Uh, right. So I, I love having her on the show as far as being like a season two ingredient. And I think like, I think that the magic trick with Anna, if it works for everybody, is uh, you feel bad for her uh, right before she dies. You know, like you like start yeah. to really, really feel for her and then she gets killed. Uh, and it's so shocking. And especially because like, like her or not, she's being built up as a very important character. So when she gets killed and she gets killed by friendly fire, you know, by a familiar face, not Mr. Friendly Fire, uh, it's, it's a real, real shock to the system. Uh, so I think all of the utility that Anna has in season two uh, I'm pretty here for, uh, pretty here for all of that. But I, I know that she's not everybody's favorite favorite character. Acquired taste for me, so you know it is. What I'm, it is. I'm gonna put a pin or a bullet in it until next week when we find out m- even more about her character. Um, from Zach Brooks, uh, Zach says, "Can you guys confirm that Cindy isn't Colleen Haskell?" Uh, yeah, I don't think it's Colleen Haskell. I don't, I don't believe Colleen Haskell would want to appear on our screens again after the animal. You know, you go out on top is what they say. I mean, how is she still acting in 2005? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't so. know. I mean, she's also, Cindy's not nearly as bug bitten. Uh, Cindy has not found her own little jungle boy a la Greg Buis. So I don't know. This might be a Colleen imposter, uh, but uh, she's not the real McCoy. 
Uh, here's a here's a double header. I think we should talk about the two of these in tandem. Stefan writes in: Is this the best non premiere opening scene in Lost? Versus this from Ted Spencer: The other forty eight days ending. Gosh, please tell me that's a series low and not to expect more of that. Rather than uh, try and like compare the beginning and the endings to the rest of the the series as far as like best and worst, is this the most? dissonant combination of an opening scene and a final scene in lost history like such a top quality opening scene and such a bottom of the barrel ending completely agree i think just look at the quality we go from this almost disaster movie quality filmed in an indie movie style to a fan video edit at the end like it just is a big big slide at the end of it all that really does feel like they were just trying to pad out the last few minutes and knew that we already knew what happened so they decide but we have to say it's the other 48 days not the other 42 days so i guess we better work our way through those last few days that yeah i i would say at least in my memory the 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 question about the best non-premiere opening scene in lost that's a tough one. I yeah, mean, it's going like to take the, way too long to litigate. Yeah, like, I, I would think say th- off there's the top so of many my contenders. Head, yeah, off the top of my head, uh, lo- the beginning of Lafleur is a lot of fun, especially when you see it for the first time. That that's definitely top of mind for me. You know that that is very good. Uh, there's there's a lot of different contenders, uh, like flashes before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just there's there's a lot there's a lot to choose from. Um, but it's, it's definitely up there. It's way up there. Uh, this is from Brian Edwards, uh, looking back at last week. Uh, when Josh and Mike, uh, when Josh asked Mike what his thoughts were about Lily, I had to pause because I had a lot of thoughts, says Brian. Brian says, I was and continue to be the most excited about Libby of all the tailies, and it's not even close. Partly due to her potential remaining unfulfilled by the show and how they'd done her dirty with the lack of dedicated flashback. It's also due to the wonderful connections she had to other characters like Hugo and Desmond. Mostly, though, it's because I was a huge Cynthia Watros fan from her incredible stint on Guiding Light. I have to admit, I've never seen Guiding Light. Uh, She played a nice heroic turn for a while before the show made her the most delightful full-on villain. She's incredible. I wish Lost hadn't scuttled her the way that they did. It's a big reason why I never really forgave Michael for what he did. The Libby and Santa Rosa reveal is one of my all-time favorite endings of a Lost episode ever. Those are Brian's thoughts on Libby. Okay, well, I guess Guiding Light's going to be our next watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'd be a first watch, so it's a spoiler-free edition. Yeah, of, of the Guiding, Guiding Light. Light Guide coming mm-hmm. to post-show recaps in 2022. Yeah, we're the Guiding Light guys with your Guiding Light guy. Uh, all right, let's do a defensive Sabrina. This is coming from Jim Fells. Oh, Believe no. It or not, this is more, more looking back at last week. Jim Fells says, you guys compared Sabrina to Susan, and I'm going to have to defend her a bit. While Susan has zero redeeming qualities, in this case, I think there's a lot we're not shown. We're seeing all of this from Shannon's point of view, and yes, it's absolutely awful that Sabrina doesn't give Shannon any chance, but I have no trouble imagining Shannon asking for thousands of dollars for interior design, promising to pay Sabrina back, and then sitting on the couch for a year, playing with her dollhouse, and doing nothing with her life. So I think Sabrina telling Shannon that she has to earn her own money is at least Partly justified? Ah, I tried. She's still terrible. That's how Jim concludes his defense. Her father died! (laughs) Her father is dead! And then you're saying, following up by being like, yes, sorry for your loss. No, I'm not helping you at all. You're on your own. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, A couple of missed opportunities from you and I last week, Mike. This is from Mike Puncher, who says, I was waiting the whole podcast for someone to say, thirsty dog, drinks on me. And it never came. 
Have you guys I abandoned like- your signature jam so soon? I'll admit, I've been reluctant to go back to the well, not because I'm not thirsty, dog, but because, like, how do you follow up the DJ Dom expose party? Yeah. You know, now that we have that information about Doctor Who you wit, like, I, I just don't know how to approach the situation, to be quite honest. We're just waiting for the really perfect moment to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Hasn't shown up yet. That window has not opened. No, no. Unless you wanted to play it right now, but I don't know how quickly you have it ready. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> You're all spared. You're all spared. Uh, from Matt McGee, uh, Matt McGee says, if the writers intended one shading of Michael's character to be he's a plant, they probably should have cast Forrest Whitaker for the role. Oh, speaking of a joke we haven't come <laughs> yeah, back to in a while. We, we lost the Forrest Whitaker stuff. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, definitely a plant. Oh, completely. Like, I think, he, I think he plays the entire forest at yeah, this point. Yeah, he is. He's the Forrest Whitaker. Um, all right. How about Jim Fels' music analysis for this week? Uh, yeah, so a few things. Uh, the theme that plays as Echo drops the kids off with Cindy has a very pertinent role because it's going to play when Ben and Hurley have their final chat in the Sideways universe. Uh, there's a little, like, others in action motif. Uh, when Goodwin and Anna Lucia fight, we hear it when Michael's captured with the bolos in three minutes and also the big shootout involving uh, the dynamite. Uh, I just love the fact. And there's also a really nice recurrence where they take the music, the really hopeful music from when they discover the caves in House of the Rising Sun and do like a very melancholy minor slow down version that plays as they're walking through the jungle this time. Again, another symbol that like the tailies just have it much worse and again, I'll mention that the music that was played during the much maligned montage at the end is called The Tribes Merge, which That's is fantastic. Amazing. That's really funny. All right, 23 points. Mike's got two MVP points this week. I've got three. I've got two LVP points. Mike has three. Um, just to spoil it, uh, you and I are each giving a point to Anna and Echo. So two points total for Anna, two points total for Echo. Uh, this feels self- self-explanatory to me. Right? They're both yeah. great in this episode. Yeah, say what you want to about Anna Lucia as a character specifically when she interacts with 815, but I think that we really see her arc over the course of this episode. She proved herself to be a capable leader. She sniffed out Goodwin when no one else was able to. Uh, Yes, unfortunately, poor Nathan had to die as a result, but I think we really saw her become, you know, experience the follies that comes with leadership and to watch her become emotionally vulnerable is a great character beat. And Echo's just a badass, and on top of that, he's a great shoulder to cry on for Anna Lucia as well. So I feel like both characters should get acknowledged here. I think so, too. Uh, and then I've got the third, uh, I've got my third MVP point to give out. You know, I'm going to give it to Goodwin. Wow! I know, he, I know he dies, but for similar reasons as I gave Ethan Rom an MVP point once upon a time, uh, Goodwin very good at his job, I think. He made it 27 days without, like, having, like... There's eyes on him all the time. It takes almost a month for them to figure out he's another. Uh, he did good. I thought he did very good. You know, he's, he, he got Nathan to trust him, lured him out into the woods, managed to single-handedly snap his neck and hide the body, and it takes four more days until anyone's able to connect that Goodwin's another. Uh, he did a great job. He did a great job for Goodwin. Well, then let me bring you down a bit and give my first LVP point to Goodwin. Yeah, I think that's for, fair. <laughs> for what he did. Uh-huh. You know, you can admire what he did, but uh-huh. ever the same, 
he did do that. Uh, yeah. And he also tried to s- maybe kill Andalusia <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to deduct him a point here That's for his fine. actions. So he's going to zero out. I anticipated you would do that. A lot of people die in this episode, uh, including Goodwin. Uh, and so I'm going back to my uh, if you died, you lose a point uh, rule. Uh, so I'll just spoil the two that I've got. Uh, both Nathan and Donald shall shall lose a point. Poor Donald. We hardly knew ye. Uh, but he's he's piecing out here with a negative one. And I, even though I feel very bad for Nathan, he can't deny the fact that he gets killed. So, uh, one. I, so I'm glad that he's in your number two spot in terms of LVP. <laughs> that seems pretty yeah. I am already looking forward, Josh, to our season two feedback show in July when we're going down the points and we're going to say, who the hell is Donald? And yeah. why did we subtract a point? I Donald, I won't remember. That. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to deduct one point from someone who we haven't actually given points to or away from in a while. The others uh, getting it as a group for kidnapping people. And also for maybe not being the most uh, discreet in their planning in that three do end up dead, as was pointed out in the feedback section. And I'm going to give my final LVP point to Cindy. Wow. What is she doing confirming Anna Lucia might be like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure Nathan wasn't on the plane either when he definitely was. That just worsens the situation. Don't speak up if you're not confident, yeah. fake Colleen Haskell. No, fair enough. Uh, and then she like doesn't vouch for Jin and Sawyer and Michael. Uh, and she says, I'm good with faces. How good are you? How good are yeah, you? She's good with two faces. She's good with two faces. All right, so Cindy, Donald, Nathan, the others are on the board with negative one apiece, Goodwin would be a negative one as well, if not for the fact that we're zeroing him out. Uh, and Anna Lucia gets bumped up with three, which means she is in a three-way tie for second place in the season two rankings right now alongside Kate and Saeed. Don't expect that's going to last for too long. <laughs> Even starting next episode. You I know, think. I'm surprised that A, we didn't do it, and B, no one gave us guff over the fact that we didn't do it, but that uh, not only did Anna escape getting an LVP point last week for the friendly fire of killing Shannon, uh, we didn't even talk about her as a possibility. Uh, well, I, I think that we did get a little guff from it, but I, the way I personally thought about it was, A, we're going to be talking much more about her, including reconciling with her killing Shannon as soon as next episode. So, like, there were more opportunities, and also the fact that this is the only opportunity we'll see a character like Sabrina Carlyle. Yeah. We had to take that shot. Yeah. You know, we, we really had to acknowledge just how, in spite of Jim Fell's defense, how despicable that character was. There will be other opportunities for Anna Lucia, I assure people. Yeah. But Charlie getting dinged instead of Anna Lucia in retrospect, in hindsight, I, I do think maybe we didn't talk that through all the way. <laughs> now, to be fair, I think Charlie's going to, you know... There'll be many episodes when Charlie becomes an asshole, but we have an immediate opportunity to reconcile Anna Lucia for killing somebody in cold blood. So, yeah, I think we'll... Spoiler alert for next week. I think it's going to hit her hard. I think she at least gets one negative one next week. Uh, maybe a positive one for uh, understanding her via backstory, but I would bet. Mm, I, would I don't bet, know. I, I would I, bet she gets more negative I still think letting a positive. perp go and then yeah. killing him yourself yeah. is still not a good look, especially yeah. as a cop. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's not going to be a good week for Anna and her flashback. The rare occasion. Uh, but right now, she's in a three-way tie for second place for season two with three points. Uh, and Echo uh, vaults forward. He was already in the lead, uh, but he's going from four to six, so it's a wow. comfortable lead for Mr. Echo. <laughs> Here in the season two power. Everyone else is tailing the taily right now in the points. Uh, I don't think, I think Echo's just going to be climbing. I'm trying to think of, is Echo ever going to fall? I think it just depends on if he's going to fall. I think it's more a matter of him stalling while all these other characters have big highlight moments to bring them up. And I think 
you know, it's really going to be our, our stalwart couple of season one, Kate and Saeed. It's going to be their job, I think, depending on what they do this season to bring him down. Yeah, I mean, he's going to definitely get points next week, right? Because he's going to he's gonna break from Anna's buddy system on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be like, I got to get this guy back to the camp. And he's going to go. Uh, and Anna's not going to be thrilled that he did that. But he's definitely going to get a point for that. There's no question about that in my mind. Uh, he's going to get a point for the following week, right? What Kate did, because he brings the, the Dharma tape to, to Locke. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the missing footage. The 23rd Psalm is his first flashback. He's going to stand his ground with the monster. He's getting at least a point there. Um, yeah, he's going to be climbing. I think that there's like going to be a period of time where maybe he's stalling from like the hunting party until maybe... SOS, maybe, maybe I think he, there's going to be a point where he's going to talk to to Ben. That's a good scene. Uh, so he's got a couple coming up, and I just don't yeah. know who's going to pass him. What's the episode where he starts? Is it Twenty Third Psalm where he starts building the church and kind of pushes Charlie away? No, Twenty Third Psalm. He's not starting to uh, build the church yet. I think that so maybe, he's he's building it. Uh, I think by fire plus water. If I'm yeah, I was going to say, I think depending on what we feel about Charlie in that moment, that might either be a good or a bad for Echo for the way he treats Charlie there. Yeah, no, he doesn't treat Charlie too badly. It's more that he treats Claire well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think he tells he tells Charlie he has some empathy when he says, "Charlie, this is not the way." Uh, and so, like, he's better to oh, Charlie. Oh, and then than Baby Locke Yoda comes place. out. Yeah, <laughs> this is the way. Uh, so I think Echo's gonna. I think uh, you know, call him the shot early, but I think Echo's gonna clinch the season two MVP. Wow, I think calling I, it now a third of the way through the season. And not only that, I think like when we do the final accounting, uh, I think Echo is gonna be high up there. I don't think that they, uh, there's no way that Echo finishes the whole series as number one on the board. But I just don't think that we're ever gonna dock him, except for maybe when he dies. Uh, Imagine if it turns out that after all this, at the end of the series, who is the overall MVP? Mr. Echo, I the mean, man who appeared in <laughs> 1.2 seasons I of Lost. I don't think it's impossible. All right, 4.2 stars. I give a score from 0 to 4.2. So does Mike. So does the audience. We average the audience scores to one data point, and then we average those three points for a final data point. That is our official Down the Hatch rating. You could send that in to Down the Hatch at Poster Recaps. Dot com already spoiled mine 3.9 the ending really brings it down the fact that the tailies ultimately don't matter that much brings it down just a touch as well uh, i think 3.9 right at the edge of a 4.0 uh feels fair to me this is a really really great episode of the show um i i'm i i really enjoyed it i, I was really happy to to enjoy it as much as i did in fact on the rewatch i think i liked it a little bit more than even i expected on the rewatch yeah, I'm going to, like the buddy system, I'm trailing you to the bathroom, Josh. I'm not too far behind you. Uh, I'm going to go with the 3.8. Uh, I think, I totally agree. I think the day one stuff in particular is just magnificently done. It really harkens back to those feelings from the OG pilot. I think the character work is really interestingly done. I love seeing this new side of Anna Lucia, to see her sort of develop into this leader, uh, to see the mythos of the others really built out. Because again, we know next to nothing about them, and now we're starting to find out more about, like, okay, it seems like they have reasons for taking people, or, you know, that they have pocket knives, apparently. So it's good to, like, find that out. It's a nice little fun story of paranoia as well. Obviously, the end's going to bring it down. And I think depending on your view of things, the fact that many of these characters will not make it out of the first half of season three is going to be something that doesn't really play in the long run. But as a standalone episode, and it's something that, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, I think helps break the mold as to what a Lost episode could be. I greatly enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it a 
3.8. Our listeners are taking it another step down, even for me. They went with a 3.7, and so that makes it finish at a straight 3.80, which is our third favorite episode of Lost so far, Josh, behind Man of Science, Man of Faith, and Orientation. Of season two, yeah. Um, yeah, The no, nothing was lower. There, there was Everything was in the threes at least uh, on this one. I think the lowest the other 48 days has scored through this recording is a 3.2. Um, everything else is like pretty solid middle threes goes as high as we got a couple of 4.2s for the other 48 days to so some people who think it's one of the true elite episodes of the show. Uh, I won't, I won't fault you for that level of thinking. It's really, the ending is, is what really dings it for me. And yeah. the fact that the tailies ultimately don't go too far, but I, I think that the historical significance of the episode, uh, the, just as, as its own isolated piece of storytelling, I think it's really, really strong. Um, it's just, it's very clever. It's different. It's, it's cool. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tragic episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really a, a blast to talk through. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking through our first episode of Lost where we're, we're not bringing up Locke really. We're not talking about any of those yeah, guys. I believe this is the first, I think actually only episode that is missing both Matthew Fox and Terry O'Quinn. Neither the man of science nor man of faith is in this episode at all. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, 3.8 for the other 48 days right now, landing in third place of those season two rankings are Man of Science, Man of Faith in first, Orientation second, the other 48 days third, Ooh, and Found in fourth, Everybody Hates Hugo, Abandoned, and Adrift in five, six, and seven, respectively. Next week, Mike, Collision! Yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out my thoughts about this episode revisiting. I remember at the time thinking, like, it was cool to find out the Anna Lucia story. Clearly she has her own tragedy, and to find out her background as a cop was, you know, very particularly memorable. And I remember the ending of this episode, quite the opposite of this episode, being very, very beautiful, with the reunion between Bernard and Rose, as well as Jin and Son. It's what we've been finally waiting to see since that raft blew up. Uh, I don't really remember much great stuff with in between. From what I remember, I believe it's that the tailies what like and Lucia wants them to sort of hold in the jungle and yeah, not she wants interact. To, it's the buddy system, right? And so, and so and and eventually all the tailies leave her while Sawyer's recovering. So I mean, it'll be an interesting sort of come down both in Sawyer's fever and from this episode. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff in there to talk about. No, I think I think it'll be as always. It'll be a fun time to talk it through. Whether or not the episode is going to live up to the discussion is the question. Obviously, mm. the, the podcast discussion is where it's at. We're the masters of the craft. Uh, collision dropping March 20th. Get your feedback in by the morning of March 17th. You can send that our way down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com, at postshowrecaps on Twitter, at Rand Howard on Twitter, at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Uh, that's how you can talk to us on the Twitter bots. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are available to you, your ratings and reviews. Greatly appreciated. Mike Bloom, you and Jess, you're full steam ahead on on the Picard. That's still going strong. Yeah, it's in its final few episodes. Uh, And actually, we should probably bring up in the sort of the anything else period here, because Josh, Westworld, at the time this is being released, is right around the corner. I would say one of the closest shows nowadays to Lost in terms of just mysteries and puzzle box yeah yeah behind it and i know you and i are both covering it respectively so i'm sure if people are interested if they haven't checked out the show yet you have 20 episodes to catch up on before good luck yeah yeah and there's a lot to get through before the 15th but you and i will both be able to cover the show and it's crazy mind-blowing variety yeah you're talking to jay and jack every week on jay and jack is that correct Mm -hmm. 
That is correct. We'll be getting back in the saddle with those two guys. Those were, if you're talking about, you know, Lost Podcast, that was one of the original Lost Podcasts. I've always greatly admired getting to work with those guys, and I've been covering Westworld with them since the beginning, so I'm happy to get back in the saddle with them. Amazing. And we'll have post-show recaps coverage, of course. Joe Garfine uh, is going to be back here for our Welcome to Westworld coverage on post-show recaps. And in addition to that, we're going to have a bonus Westworld podcast, if not every week, most weeks. Uh, I've got a really fun slew of guests, uh, <laughs> sur- surprise special co-hosts who will be coming along for the ride uh, to sit down opposite me uh, for a one-on-one conversation, maybe occasionally a one-on-two. Uh, that'll be uh, really, really fun. Uh, I think if you're you're a survivor fan i think you'll enjoy that i think that you'll enjoy some of those conversations if you're a westworld fan so definitely subscribe to our westworld coverage on post show recaps also be covering it copiously over at the hollywood reporter Mm. uh with with uh with articles uh theory pieces interviews all of that as well as the series regular podcast which i will be doing uh over at thr so go check out series regular elsewhere here on post-show recaps, uh, in addition to Westworld and Star Trek Picard, there's Better Call Saul coverage, there's Walking Dead coverage, Curb Your Enthusiasm is getting close to the end of the line. Very, very busy times here on post-show recaps, so plenty to listen to if you are looking for some scripted TV coverage. We got you covered. Um, one last thing, wash your hands, uh, stay, stay safe, be good to each other, uh, we're all in this together. We will be here. We're here for your ears. We're here for your hearts. Uh, we're, we're here for you. Uh, we love you out there, hatchlings. Everybody be good. Everybody be cool. And we will be back next week for you.